It was an early flight to Arizona to meet up with Joe Sinkwitz. We discussed influencer marketing, dark patterns, negative SEO, and more. Joe gave me his take on Rank Brain, and we discussed how the future of SERP designs could be more gameable. Lastly, we touched on the Yandex hack, the FTC case against Google, and before taking a very roundabout path to get back to Austin due to weather, we chatted about getting in shape. And now, Joe Sinkwitz. Hello and welcome to the Yarsnake Show. Today I have with me Joe Sinkwitz. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. <laughs> Good, man. Good to see you. You as well. It's been too long. I know. Seeing you since before the pandemic, I don't think. Oh my goodness. It, yeah, it, at least 2019, maybe 2018. It's mm -hmm. been a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, you're still looking fit. Uh, you, I, I know I you've your been. Cycles. You've been uh, <laughs> right. You've been working out a lot. A lot of oh, powerlifting. Yeah. Is that? Uh, oh, so I do a couple different things now. Huh. So right now I'm doing a six day a week thing, but I do a spread. So half the week, or actually every other day, it's it's a hit workout, but it's uh, HIRT, so hit mm -hmm. with uh, resistance training. Mm -hmm. So it's very cardiovascular with weights. Mm -hmm. And then the other half is more uh, conventional uh, bodybuilding, actually. Mm. Um, I recently uh, messed up my back pretty good. So oh, I decided to do that. Powerlifting. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, I'm 45 now. And yeah. so it's sort yeah, of, yeah. you're no longer needing to do this. I, I actually want to focus a lot of my goals on just packing on as much muscle as I can knowing full well I'm going to be fighting to keep that muscle in my 50s and 60s. For sure. My goal is to be as strong as an average 30-year-old when I'm an 80. So that's what I'm shooting for. Got it. 80. I what happens, I, I, what I, happens I, at 81? <laughs> I always figure I get shot around 83, so like the last couple of years I'm just going to waste anyways. <laughs> Put it all on black and yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, it's good to see you. Um, so we're here to talk about your specialty, okay. um, marketing, but specifically we're going to talk about a couple things within that. Um, and I think we'd start off with influencer marketing. Sure. Um, because I think you are probably one of the world's experts in that specific field. So, I appreciate you thinking so. <laughs> so first of all, why don't we talk about what it is? Um, how does it work? Sure. So influencer marketing, really just distilled down, is having someone else tell your story for you. That's really all it really is. Uh, it's like sort of the, the beginnings of word of mouth brought to a digital forefront. Mm -hmm. It gets overly complicated by you know people that really try to be purist in terms of only a certain social network can properly represent you know influencer marketing. No. If there's a channel and someone else is telling your story, it's influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So what's the difference between word of mouth and influencer? Is it because it is paid or is there more yeah. to it than that? Well, that, that's a good that's a good possible distinction. Really, the biggest one is the digital platforming. That that's really I think the only distinction I make. Mm -hmm. Some influencer marketing is unpaid, you know. And if you if you do a good enough job on the paid aspects of trying to push something viral, sometimes that organic stuff kicks in later. Mm -hmm. So how do we make the distinction of well, this was word of mouth and this was influencer marketing? It's just easier to say this whole channel that you're focusing on, maybe Facebook in this particular instance. You know, the paid part might have come up front, the organic part, you know, was tacked on later, but it was all influencer marketing. So <clears throat> an example of where it kind of picks up on its own, let's say I have a watch mm -hmm. and I think it's awesome and I talk about it, but I was influenced by somebody else and they were paid. Yeah. Me, I wasn't paid, but by virtue of thinking yeah, it's so you, awesome. You're essentially the amplification <laughs> that was not compensated. Right. 
Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And it's like what's interesting is you look at like the history of influencer marketing, you could trace obviously back to Stone Age, right? You know, we mm -hmm. we were a very oral species, mm -hmm. uh, giggity. But if you <laughs> if you go in like in more current times, like uh, in the 1970s, there was a lot of talk about word of mouth mouth marketing, which is a mechanism to get in the doctor's offices and getting doctors to talk about specific drugs. So once again, on the internet, everything comes back to porn or drugs. In this case, of influencer course. marketing has its roots in drugs. Yes, apparently. Um, okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your company and how that all kind of dovetails. Sure, so Intellifluence, uh, we founded it in 2016. We are the largest of the warm contact influencer marketing firms. And all that really means is that we actually went to the painstaking effort of getting influencers to sign up for our network. Mm -hmm. A lot of the other ones, it's kind of a scraped database list and we could absolutely do that at some point. We chose to just try to focus on people that we knew were actually real. Hmm. We started it um, because we had to. Real as in not bots or real as in you have a real relationship? Both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, the one way we do it is, um, so we use OAuth for, uh, if, it, if they're using like Twitter or YouTube or um, uh, Instagram. And so the, that way we can verify that they are who they say they are. For those that are not hacking and trying to play man in the middle on OAuth, um, yeah, I don't know why you're Mr. Me. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just assume there's going to be a story that comes out about this eventually. Uh, but you can verify there that they are who they say they are, mm -hmm. to at least a large degree. So there's the realness aspect of it. Um, the other piece is that um, we focus on them as, as the, the conversational relationship. We bring them in, try to get an interest of like, what do you like to do? Uh, I always tell our influencers when they're signing up, treat a profile like you would a mashup between uh, you know, like a dating site and a LinkedIn. You know, you know, you want to know what do you like to do and what do you do professionally. Most do not go through that sort of effort, but when they do, they get hired a lot more frequently because you know, they appear more real to a brand that's looking for them. Mm -hmm. And what kind of brands do look for them? Like everyone. Yeah, give me an example, of like a successful campaign. Or uh, Ghostbed is, is a good one. They're they're in a lot of Costco's and they're a nationwide bed in the box type company. Mm -hmm. And so initially, I think we did like blog post style stuff for them, and they saw the the benefits of what we were doing, and it sort of just graduated up and up and up to the point where we started driving and creating a lot of their campaigns. It was like think of. The setting is an early Sunday morning. You woke up and the lights come through your windows in a Manhattan apartment. It says light and airy. You're on your ghost bed. And so that sort of stylistic view of it got moved into a lot of Instagram work we did. And from a lot of these larger brands that we work with comes a ton of feature requests of, I wish you could do X, Y, Z. Well, that's great. We're a small company. We're just going to implement that. Mm. And then we keep them happy. <clears throat> I remember one of our friends was talking about doing something kind of similar uh, using entirely grassroots, no no paid anything um, on like Reddit and Dig and mm. those types of platforms. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Um, trying to figure out ways to get people excited about a brand, despite the fact that brands are really everyone's kind of allergic to brands on those platforms. But if if it's an influencer talking about it, it's a little different. It's like, oh, you know, Jay Z apparently loves this bed. Well, if it's good enough for Jay-Z, maybe I should check it out or whatever. Sure. And Reddit's actually one of our channels. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. It's extremely difficult to break in. And some of those networks are absolutely allergic to brands. The best way to deal with those type of networks, where it's Reddit or maybe it's like a Facebook group, is you just get in bed with the, the moderator, essentially. You go directly mm -hmm. to the moderators. I'd like to run this sort of thing. Uh, can I work with you directly? Is, are there any special rules that are not listed in the, the, in the Reddit you know, uh, guidelines on the sidebar? And from there, 
they will guide you into here's how to work within my little special community. Mm. When you do that, sometimes it's not even paid. They just love the fact that you acknowledge them as the gatekeeper and then, you know, they get out of the basement and then, you know, give them the product. I remember, I think he was saying some other technique that I thought was kind of interesting. He's like, they are allergic to brands unless the brands are doing product research. So mm. if you say this isn't, I'm not trying to sell you a bed, but do you like spring coils or air coils better? Like do a poll and people are like, huh, who is this for? Is there, oh, it's for Sealy or whatever? Oh, interesting. I, I, I prefer coils or whatever, right? And, and by virtue of doing that, and, and you're like, oh, and you get entered in a contest if you want to be or whatever. And now, now you get them in a funnel and you know, do all the crazy things. There's, there's a famous uh, a German algebraist, uh, Jacobi. Or I, I'm probably saying the name wrong, but his big ja thing was Jacobi. Uh, Jacobi, probably. Uh -huh. It's invert, always invert. And it was about looking at a situation, and an inversion is a methodology for solving the equation. So within Reddit, sometimes you don't want to sell. You want them to make fun of you. And this is kind of how this entire company started when a certain vaping cell phone uh, was trying to get press and just couldn't. Mm -hmm. So we got it in the hands of people that realized how ridiculous it was. They made fun of it to such a large extent that it took off and got in Facebook groups and all of a sudden Playboy articles and Verge and, and everything from there. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the, the light bulb going off for us. Yeah. It's like, hey, influencer marketing is a thing, you know, and there's a market for it, let's build something. Okay, so I think that we're skipping ahead a little bit in what I want to talk about, but I think it's worth just doing it. Um, let's say I have something like some adult materials that I want to mm -hmm. put out there, like gambling or um, you know some sort of drug like Cialis or something, mm -hmm. or you know vaping would be a good example, marijuana, um, any one of those sort of adult only type categories that typically. And the advertising or um, the traditional advertising outlets just do not allow you to do that. Uh, Facebook and Google, oh, yeah. they, they try to prevent that um, pretty much as much as possible. So how does this work around all of that? So it can't work around all of it, but it can work around some of it. So absolutely, I, I believe like going back to this vaping cell phone situation, I know that when we initially tried to market it, we were turned down by AdWords. And at Facebook, we thought we had enough ins to get somewhere. I remember getting up all the way to the general counsel, calling, and like the final phone call, are we going to get to run ads or not? Cheryl says no. <laughs> that was the end of that situation. And so I was like, well, what do we do now? Because they didn't want to invest in SEO because it's going to take too long. So we just tried to find people. I remember we found a Grim Greens or something along those lines. It was, it was a famous vapor at that point in time. And it was just sort of finding those, those situations. For, for those particular product categories, there's all sorts of laws. Like for instance, we don't touch anything cannabis related on our network because of US postal laws. Like we don't want to federate and, uh, violate anything federally and it's too hard to government on a state by state level. Mm -hmm. But so for, uh, for how we handle some of the other stuff like, uh, like adult or gambling and whatnot, we do have methodologies to say like, this is an adult product. We can only deal with adults. So they're sort of self-selecting into it. That's interesting. So you're allowed to advertise um, gambling even though it's not allowed in most states. That's, advertising so, it's different because you're not actually allowed to gamble in it. Is that yeah, that, that, there's, there's just discrepancies. And so like our big thing is like, if it's illegal in your country, you're not allowed to accept this pitch that's on you. And similar for the brands, like you're not. Why wouldn't that be the same with marijuana? Out of curiosity. Well, because for marijuana, it's just because of the, the the classification on the drug schedule. Federally, we just don't want to touch it. You just it's just a preference. Thing. I, I it, like it's you feel like a, it's a, a lawyer has said 
maybe wait a little while. <laughs> and we're like, cool. <laughs> I, there, there's a ton of interest for it. I'm uh, sure. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's just one of those things like, do I want to be tied up in court over stupid things? Yeah. Or, you know, how much how much actual demand is it? Because I found the hard way that, you know, like, there'll be a lot of people like, if you create this feature, people are going to come to you in swarms. Like, cool, we're going to spend three months building this feature. How many new customers we get? Zero. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So in this case, would there be new customers? Probably. Would it be enough to justify? I don't know yet. Yeah, and, I, and associated risk potentially. Yeah, it, as soon as it gets like put on par with like alcohol, absolutely floodgates open. We'll, we're happy to do it. It seems like if high times can get away with it or any of those things that uh, some of our other friends work on, you could too. But probably, but, but I think because there's sometimes product associated, I don't want there to be a transaction record of like here's the mailing address of this particular influencer send him a bag of weed yeah. <laughs> like, i uh -huh, think i'd uh -huh. like to avoid that i see i see yeah versus I mean, go to a grocery store and buy a bottle of absolute vodka that yeah, seems but, way safer but, uh, but yeah that is safer um well sort of depends on whether they drive afterwards uh <laughs> but uh it seems like you can't really send people a you know, a bag of gambling, and you're going to have to log into this yeah, gambling they, site Yeah, they, they have to location. go. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, that gives us a little bit of a disconnect there. Okay. So the the real protection there is that when they attempt to start gambling because they're an influencer, they mm. get stopped. They get stopped because they have to enter their ID in or whatever. They do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I got you. That makes sense. Yeah. And again, a small company. There's only so many uh, gates that you could throw in logically. Uh, to, to sort of prevent bad actors or mm -hmm. prevent people from making mistakes that they didn't intend to make. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure there's probably even more that could be done in long term. For now, I'd rather be erring on the side of uh, conservatism mm -hmm. slightly, just to to keep us safe and to keep the broader community safe. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the difference between how you see technical SEO and traditional brand building, um, mm. the age-old brand building, you know, Mad Men sort of days. Like, sure. how, how have things sort of evolved in your sort of sense? Is it really the same thing, just now oh, digital, boy. or is it totally different? Or Well, I mean, I, I always sort of viewed technical SEO as making uh, modifications to code or infrastructure in some way. Yeah. Um, now that brand as an overall signal has been becoming more increasingly important within Google, it's hard to get away from the SEO implications of it. So you can go back to the Vince update, uh, which took place in 2008. Uh, yes, and I think we we're part of the reason for that. So <laughs> we're not the only reason, but so, so the reason what, they, uh, what Google wanted to do was try to push affiliate sites down. And they're trying to figure out all sorts of ways to justify doing this. One thing they did was brand recognition. Why would they do that? Well, we ranked number one for car insurance with site links, number one for life insurance with site links, number one for auto insurance with site links, number two was Geico and Progressive. They weren't real happy about that because mm -hmm. we're just some dudes in a small office minting 50 grand a day. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of enough to make some, some noise. There was others that probably had similar dominance in their space. So Google made a change that somehow measured brand recognition. And while they never, never really open about what that meant, it probably did have some aspect of airplay. And it had some aspect of television you know, time and whatnot. Um, now you can sort of distill it down to how much brand recall is there? How much uh, uh, brand queries exist? Are they repeat queries? Are they one time off? You know, how much dwell exists on there? So you start to see how that stuff sort of dovetails with traditional SEO. And you start to say, I don't want to separate it out. I, I want to get links to a site that past traffic 
where that traffic ends up coming back to me again and searching for me specifically as a brand name. If you're able to get those things as signals, you know, completed in your little checkbox, you're going to have a good time within search. Mm -hmm. And so what about the brand itself? Has that evolved? I mean, I remember when I first started in uh, digital, there was this big sort of like, should we allow people to, um, to put the ugliest banners on earth on a pay-per-click mm. model? Just so it's like, if you click this, you're going to pay us $1,000. So like, don't click it. But also, sponsored by Nike. <laughs> and so everyone's like, ooh, I don't want to touch that. But also, Nike. And now it's in your head, and it's always in your head. And you never, ever, 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 ever click on that link. So it lasts forever in the network. And so, I mean, I, it's to me, there does seem like there's something kind of inherently different about how we think about the model and how we get stuff stuck in people's heads. We don't have jingles anymore, for instance. That's kind of going away. No, but there is like a theory of seven touches. And so you're looking to get in front of a potential consumer at least seven times. And that's where things like retargeting comes is so beautiful. Well, where I'll explain what that is. So re retargeting just meaning they, they see the ad you initially ran towards them. Maybe it's on Facebook. That's a, more, a very general version. Or, or Google AdWords. They see the ad for uh, our snake show. It comes up as an ad unit. And then later they go to IntelliFluence and for whatever reason we made the bad decision to run AdSense. Mm -hmm. And so on the AdSense ad unit knows that this individual has visited or seen an ad arsenic so it shows it to him again. And so it's the brand repetition. So I think that a lot of repetition aspects come into play for the, the multiple touches. Mm -hmm. So maybe jingles aren't so prevalent, but maybe they're kind of coming back with little, little viral TikTok videos, with uh, YouTube shorts, with reels on Instagram. You do have some audio and visual uh, you know, sensitivity coming up for brands. I think it's just evolved a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we're also more jaded too. <clears throat> so the less in your face it is about it, like this is what we do, we're a great use case, blah, blah, blah. And then just sort of follies around. Like anytime I ever look at anything on Kristoff stuff, I know I'm going to get ad units later. He's so good at this. <laughs> I love it. I love seeing them like, good for you, man. I hope you make a million on this. I, I think a, a measure of my success is how many of my friends spam me. <laughs> and it's, it's a surprisingly large amount. I'm going to work on that. <laughs> I had to do a couple lists by the That's end. That's right. Of the day. I <laughs> no, I mean like them specific, them personally. Like I'm getting my friends spam. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, that's nice. Beautiful. Um, it's good to see that they're doing well on this product that they just launched. Or they really need sales. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think that's uh, that's interesting. I I also look at the these new pop up banners, and not the old style pop up banners mm. where they're taking up a new window, but the new ones where they're they're following you along and they're actually like obscuring what you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, I don't you like have to that. get through that. Well, I mean, I have to assume that that's really just trying to get them to click without any recognition of what they're even clicking on. It's mostly just. Misclicks. Yeah, I think it's I, th I think it's manipulation for sure, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of the uh, the uh, the entities that I run across this sort of thing, I wonder if they're not out of uh, out of you know it's a it's a violation of their TOS. I'm almost certain of it. You know, you're not supposed to obscure within like the AdSense market. And I'm sure we're going to talk about Google here at some point. It's quite possible. We, we can't get away from this <laughs> this beast. They're not supposed to do it. But at the same time, uh, try to figure out how to report it. It's not always easy. Sometimes they go through such efforts as they'll disable the ability to, to do right clicks. Mm. So you can't go to the part where you're going to report the ad. Mm. Uh, sometimes they'll you know, disable a back button. You can't go back and you know, report the ad from that mechanism as well. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, obscuring content, it's, it's nasty. Does it work? It, it works in terms of getting a click. But most of those times, no one really means to do it. 
Um, I think one of the biggest reasons why people care about uh, like uh, the core web vitals as an end user is because of the, the page movement. They want to get rid of the part where they go to a website, they're looking to go start enter something in a search box, but it magically moves down and now you just click the top banner out here at. Mm -hmm. No one likes that. It's not a good user experience. No. And usually when that happens, they've done something intentionally to redirect you five times so of you can't course. go back. Yeah. 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 So it's definitely intentional. It's not whoops, I didn't mean to do that. Of course. <laughs> it's, it's very frustrating. And yeah. like it, it seems like with every passing day the web becomes more hostile and there's fewer people trying to fix it. Mm -hmm. Even though like the, the security industry's growing, the marketing industry's still growing, there's fewer people like sitting down and saying, this shouldn't exist, how do we get rid of it? Mm -hmm. It's more of, well, how do we optimize it in the short term for short term gains? And that's right. unfortunate, right. but that's where we're at. <sighs> yes, so I wanted to talk about you for uh, just a second because people listening don't know you like I know you. But you don't just have the job of uh, marketing your clients' products, but you also have to market yourself. And I think you're actually one of the most interesting self-marketers I think I've run across. Yeah. Um, so, like, showing up to conferences, like, dressed as, like... He-Man or something? Yeah, He-Man. I love or, the He-Man. It's, it's all... Or dressed as a can of spam. Yeah, that was, that was London, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what, what does it take to market yourself to other marketers? Like, it's, is, is it really that kind of gimmick so you stand out? Or? I hope not because I stopped doing it as much. <laughs> you know, uh, I was actually warned, like uh, another uh, individual I, I admire, uh, Dave Snyder, who runs CopyPress. He's like, I was worried for you because I didn't want you being pigeonholed as the guy that dresses up to conferences. Mm -hmm. I think the first time I did it almost is like a joke. Mm -hmm. And I did. I think the first one was uh, I did Penguin. It was shortly after the Penguin update, and I said, "Because this is the scariest thing I could think of." Mm -hmm. It wiped out my previous business, mm -hmm. and then from there, I just kept doing it. Now, I think I hate using the phrase authentic authenticity, but I do think that's actually the best way to market to other marketers. Mm -hmm. Letting them know the open kimono is like, "Here's what I do." Like my our business model is super transparent. Here's the pricing you're going to get paid. You know, you know. Here's the transactional fees if you use cash. That's it. You want to cancel? Cancel. You want a long-term contract? You don't need one. So I, I think just being honest goes way further. Mm -hmm. um, establishing yourself as an expert is hard, though. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't, so I never, I was not there in the beginning when you guys all mm -hmm. got started. Uh, but by the time I met you and a handful of others, you were well, well established. How did that, how did that come about? Uh, from forums. And so like, that's, that's one of the sad things about the, the open web that no longer really exists was the, the congregation of individual forums. So we would uh, congregate around like the SEO book forum, for instance, Airwall's website. And it kind of self-selected because it's a paid forum into people that, were, that knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so you helped someone and they helped you. And it was very reciprocal at that point in time. It was less of a zero-sum game within search until around Vince and then you know, Panda Penguin, et cetera. So I think a lot of my cachet came from just doing a few things well. I became known really well in the payday industry and in insurance because of that. I, I had some success and I sort of, I think that kind of pulled me into, could you talk about negative SEO because you were involved in this thing that no one talks about? Okay, mm -hmm. sure, why not? And mm -hmm. then you, you give one little speech on negative SEO and the next thing you know, that's what they want to hear about for a decade. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how it happened. It was, it was no real big master plan, it was just, I'm going to try to do my best in a particular field and, you know, have no filter when I stand on a stage and maybe that'll add up to something. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I'm still always kind of amazed that I'm allowed to hang out with you guys because it'd be like you showing up to a security conference and hanging out with the best security people. It's just, it'd be odd, like why you're here kind of thing, yeah. you know? But Normally when I go to DEF CON, I just hide. <laughs> so, um, RankBrain, tell me all about it. What's marketing like now that RankBrain exists? I don't think it changes anything a whole lot. Really? I mean, rank brain, spam brain, whatever. I, I continue, I, I have an issue within the SEO community as a whole, purposely trying to make things sound extremely complicated for the, for the obvious reason of selling a service. Sure. Uh, you could just still search down into three buckets. You have content, you have links, and you have user experience. If you are creating a good enough content, meaning that it's actually satisfying a particular query to a very high degree, you're getting really good links from relevant sites for enough mixture phrases. There's, there's nuance to everything, of course, to that piece of content. And those people that are sticking around and they're searching for it later and their experience is good, you'll end up going 90% of the way. If, if you have a fast site, that, that's helping the user experience. You have really in-depth content, you're probably helping the user experience. I, I don't think it matters a whole lot getting sucked into the EAT and whatever acronym comes out next week for Google, because mm. it keeps coming back to the same three signals. Like They don't talk about links a whole lot, but links still drive so much value within search. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm, I'm slightly jaded, like, oh, how's RankBrain going to change everything? Okay, well, consider it machine learning, right? Well, that just means that there's going to be have continual uh, input, right? All right, so let's just manipulate some of the input. And so uh, maybe you're going and purchasing uh, a couple hundred thousand queries within a, 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 a geographic location that you're interested in to perform a wide range of phrases that happen to relate to your site and they end up on your site. And the individuals don't know why they're doing it. They think they're doing it to figure out what's the favorite color on the site. They ended up satisfying a ring brain, you know, as, as it pertains to finding a, a site within uh, on a query and, and going through it and sticking around for a while. And it satisfies you because you just, you know, gamed Google. It satisfies them because they probably just got paid a couple pennies to go and do a click. I think it just, nothing's new. Interesting. So I've... Like spam brains, nothing's new. Uh, well, Okay, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I have heard kind of conflicting views on this. Um, and maybe not conflicting like the methodology that you'd employ would be different. Uh, I think maybe you're exactly right. But, but conceptually, once upon a time, it did make sense. You could actually follow lump. You know, you knew exactly mm -hmm. what to do to manipulate traffic. But it's gotten progressively more difficult. And, and even if you could keep uh, your head around the, call it 100 or so different signals that they were using, 130-something signals at the time, at the early days. Nowadays, I, it's just not possible because uh, not only is it um, way more signals than that, like wildly way more, but also it's signals that could change by category mm -hmm. at any time literally because the wind blew, uh, literally, you know, a power line went down and Rank Brain goes, hey, you know, I'm not seeing power here. I'm going to start reassessing the value of links here on this category or whatever. Like there's no way to know ahead of time. So, so what happens when you're, when you're faced with having an enormous amount of variables that could consume your entire career just trying to figure out kids? Think heuristically, so and, and that's really how you need to think. You say, okay, well, I want to just try to dumb it down. The more you could possibly distill it down, the better. 
at the end of the day, keep producing. I, I hate saying produce really great content, mm -hmm. but really great content, ton of links that are great. Make sure the user experience is on point and drive as much traffic into it from other sources. You're going to end up coming out ahead. Mm. You really do. And so while there might be day-to-day -day fluctuations as the machine learning is trying to figure out about that power outage, over time, because you kept funneling more content and more links into it, you end up winning. Like now, the, the Yandex leak was actually pretty good. And yes, Yandex is not Google. There's enough overlap to start looking through all these particular signals like, huh, they really care about repeat visitors. They really care about all these different user signals. Wow, they love links. They love the content on page. It, it was the same thing over and over and over. Different flares and different varieties, but right. it still had the underlying theme. OK, well, I was going to talk about Yandex later, so let's just do it now. Um, the first people to look at it said there was like 100 and so different signals, whatever it was. Uh, sorry, 1,922 is the number. Yeah, I don't know the exact number. Uh, then the second group of people, I think Ben Willis did the best analysis, was over 17,000, almost 18,000 different signals. <clears throat> and all it takes is a roll of the dice somewhere to basically you know, make that infinitely large, next to infinitely large, like, you know, many orders of magnitude larger than that. And that's the problem with rank brain, uh, is that it makes that 18,000, call it, different signals into, you know, billions or trillions of different signals if you combine them in interesting mm -hmm. ways or whatever. Um, so what what did you learn? What did you learn from the Andex leak? I, I learned that it was kind of a confirmation of, of what we sort of already felt. Is like, yes, search is a very complex product. There's no getting around that. But at the end of the day, there are some very simplistic ways to approach so you don't get sucked into the the arcane terminology that, that drives the industry. And just just go out and build a ton of links to a lot of good content. So and yeah, but but don't you have to worry about the quality of those links? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But that's why I'm like it, it, it matters a lot. It's like so a lot of the outreach teams that are going like obviously you're not going to just go and like buy a bunch of spammy uh, X rumor stuff. Like that that's not going to have the same impact it once did. And there are still people having success with that. That did not entirely go away as much as Google pretends that it did. Mm. But at the same time, if you're approaching something uh, in the podcast space and you go and you get a lot of links from a lot of different podcasts, like also check out this show, you're going to have some benefit from it because not only are they coming to your, uh, your show uh, from the, the actual link itself, they're probably interested in sticking around, consuming, doing subscribes. So like you could think about all the signals that, that drive on the you know, Google organic. How is it going to play into to YouTube? Now that you're maybe manipulating the view counts and the comment counts, the likes and, and the scribes, uh, the notification subscribes. So all those particular signals that indicate a quality channel, starting with links, if you're able to somehow tie that together and keep pushing in that particular funnel, you still end up winning. Mm -hmm. And how would you define a... It seems to me there's like gradients of spammy links. Of course. Um, and the, so like what what would be like the couple of different categories other than like completely obviously spam? Yeah. And like what would you, like what, what are the sort of the ways you end up with links that are kind of questionable that Google might say no about? I mean, they could change their mind at any, any point in time. And, sure. that, and that's, that's the reality of the situation. There was a period of time where everything payday was just fine until it wasn't. So that's uh, the giant grain of salt that sits upon the table. Right. I think that if you look at the different quality metrics, like for instance, we consume link research tools, Moz, Majestic, and SEMrush. Some of the things that we like to look at are like trust flow uh, ratios, to say like how much uh, power does it push, but how, how, much, how trusted is it? 
I think that's a decent um, factor today to look at it mathematically, but ultimately I'm okay getting a link from a, a blog post that um, wrote about their actual experience using the product or service. Mm -hmm. Like, is it a real review? If it is, I'm probably gonna accept it. Knowing full well that it may not have this, the exact quality that I'm looking for, but it looks a little weird to have all extremely high quality anyways. Their natural course of evolution on a domain name, you're gonna have a wide variety of stuff. Like we, if I go and look at IntelliFluent stuff today, I'm sure I have a bunch of new scrapers that are linking to us today that'll be gone tomorrow or some weird reverse proxy attempts that failed mm -hmm. and hopefully they pass a little value in the process. <laughs> so like, I know that stuff's always gonna be out there. I try not to um, bucket too much in terms of bad link, good link, it's really like this was a really low effort attempt to create a review. They ain't gonna, they ain't gonna fly. Mm -hmm. Or like, hey, you know, they wanted to create a review for an influencer site, and it came in right after a gambling site and right before a Cialis site. Probably not a good sort of neighborhood. So there's a little bit of a gut feel to that. Um, you could probably categorize as a whole. You know, what is the site about? And you can to some degree. Mm -hmm. Is it a little bit hoard out in, in the sense of like just being too categorically broad? The more niche you go, the better, but it's not always possible. And therefore, I like to hear about um, the, the the perspective of the writer as it pertains to the link that they're linking to. Gotcha, so that's why you're saying, like, what do you do and what are you interested in? Mm -hmm. huh. Okay, so what about things like advertorials? Um, that's, the, that's the dirty secret of the... Yeah, and they rank, and they can do well. So please explain what it is for, for so everybody. So advertorial is really just an <clears throat> article that is sponsored. That's really all it is. Sometimes they're disclosed, sometimes they are not. And <laughs> that's, that's the part I think most people don't know about. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's, it's probably easier um, to sleep at night if you view the entirety of the web as being sponsored and being uh, you know, delightfully surprised when it happens not to be. Mm -hmm. So if, we, if you approach with open eyes like someone paid for this somehow, some way, even if it's organic, somehow this was paid for it, then I start looking like, what's, what's the quality of the advertorial? Is it extremely educational? Um, is, are they actually passing a ton of value for the user reading it? If so, cool, great. I'm, I'm happy that you're having that particular success. Um, do I, I don't really get caught up in like follow, no follow. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't worry about that too much. I mean, obviously you know what those things are. You're very I, technical. You can yeah, I, I, yes, but at the same time, like I feel it's natural to have a mix of both anyways. So like if, if I'm approaching a, a situation and you know it, it ends up being a, a paid situation like well I got to have it marked as real sponsor like okay you know I'm looking like am I going to get traffic from this if I'm going to get traffic cool great you know is it going to benefit uh, the user going from your site to my site and are they going to have a good conclusion whether it's signing up as an influencer you, or a brand do you know if they completely disavow uh, sponsored links they say that it's kind of like uh, no follow treatment interesting and so and i think some no follows pass juice and i know that for sure some no follows that are specifically coded into pass juice, like wikipedia when wikipedia went no follow do you think they stopped trusting Wikipedia resources? No. Mm -hmm. I had to have an entire project on the ORM side devoted to going through and demarking a couple sites that were having a million references in Wikipedia just to knock them down a couple pegs. Mm -hmm. And they had no other links. It was just Wikipedia stuff. And getting those removed, those rankings disappeared. So yeah, interesting. no follow, sponsored, passages. That's 
I mean, that's very frustrating. If, if you're saying, I do not want to pass juice, and Google's like, I'm going to do it anyway. Absolutely. They're going to always do so what they're going to do, right? And so. Uh, yeah, I, but I mean, how do you stop that? I mean, how. I don't think you do as an individual. I think you just, you just recognize, like, I don't care what they say publicly. What I care about is what works. Yeah. And so if I'm approaching it as, as an honest businessman, which is surprisingly rare, they say like, look, I want to buy a, a blog post from you and I know you could really write a great you know, uh, you know, piece on this pen test uh, piece of software we're trying to push out. You're going to probably rip the pen test software apart, but you're probably going to say some good things. There's still going to be a link to the thing. Good or bad review, sponsored, not sponsored, no followed, followed. It was a valuable review, and it was a valuable link to have because of it. Yeah. And so I, I leave it at that. I wash my hands without making too much of a clapping sound for the mic, and <laughs> that's really the end of it. It's funny because I have definitely written reviews of companies that have submarined the entire company. So there's there's definitely a there's that part, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so like the reputational. It's yeah. a reputational issue. Yeah, I, I mean, I I basically said this product doesn't work, and here's specifically why. In fact, it's worse than not using it at all. Well, that's bad. Uh, that is a really bad review, and I I actually outranked them for their own company. That happens keep... a lot. Yeah. And so that's uh, in the early days of ORM. That was some of our earliest stuff. Where like, hey. We had some bad reviews, and we just keep, you know, what should we do? Like, have you tried reaching out to the person making it right? Why? Because that'd be the cheapest thing for you to do. <laughs> and if that fails, then call me back, and we'll talk. So um, before we go too much further, ORM, please explain what that is. So uh, Online uh, reputational management. Okay. And that can cover everything from search to social or anywhere someone might be looking for an entity or person. So in the case where... I was going to talk about ORM anyway, so let's do it. Mm. Um, I know it's a area of specialty for you. Mm. Um, who who needs ORM? When, when does that happen that they need it? So you mentioned a company version of that. What about a person? Yeah, so the person is usually they did something bad. Uh, that's almost always what it is. And then the, the they're, never, they're never innocent. <laughs> well, sometimes they are, but okay. they, usually it's they did something that they regret, and that's that's why they're coming to you. Mm -hmm. And the, the assessment becomes, you know, are you currently doing it, or is it something that happened in the past? If you're currently doing it, stop. That's like the best thing you possibly do. If you're if you if it's in the past, then you can approach the situation. Sometimes it's just like a, a, a youthful mistake. And those are the best to clean up because you like personal growth exists, and we can make something. Okay, go away. What would an example of that be? Uh, like a, I use drugs in the '60s kind of deal. Exactly. You know, like something that's sort of buried. Mm -hmm. Like they're embarrassed about that happened in the '90s. Maybe they uh, maybe they had an off-color joke that was stupid. They shouldn't have said, mm -hmm. and they now regret it, and they recognize why it was bad. Um, they already went on to their apology tours and stuff, but that thing's still like number nine or ten in mm -hmm. search. How do we get rid of it? Okay, well, you know, there's methodologies of you know pushing stuff above it, or you know trying to um, you know make that worth less as a combination to to clean up the space. Mm -hmm. So that's one case. Sometimes a lot of the cases it's um, just uh, ego, like uh, some of the ones that I wrote process recently. Um, they have just a ton of money. And they don't like that an article says something slightly negative about them. Okay, like those are those are great from from our perspective technically because it's not that hard to address. It's it's a lot easier to push something down where uh, they want to bury an article about how they bought a fifty million dollar house 
because they, they don't want to be known as being ostentatious versus a sex scandal because everyone wants to click on a sex scandal back to rank brain. That stuff keeps driving that engine. It doesn't go away. So, you know, the, 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 those come into play. But a lot of cases, it's like uh, corporations and they, they, they want to protect their board. Uh, so they want to go through, maybe they're getting prepped for a sale. And they want to say, like, we want to, we want to push down anything bad as, as we can. Here's the 10 individuals. You know, what's the process going to take? How long is it going to take? And let's get going. What about like so proactive ORM? Mm-hmm. Like I just want to make make sure that nothing does ever pop up and just sure. monitor me at all times or whatever. Yeah, and so you could use services like Noem, right, mm-hmm. to, to go ahead and create a bunch of social profiles right off the bat. And then you can go and, you know, systematically add content to all these pieces and then add links to all those pieces, you're going to get a, a rough blend of, of what general ORM is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more that you're out there in the press doing speaking engagements, appearing on podcasts and whatnot, the more that provides material for you to, to support for your proactive purposes. Mm. So proactive ends up being way cheaper, just like any preventive medicine is, because you're just able to, to prevent um, the bad news when it eventually happens from being too sticky. So instead of getting that top spot and sticking for a long time and getting the uh, self-reinforcing click-throughs, thanks, Rank Brian, mm-hmm. instead maybe it gets like the six or seven and you have enough stuff, other positive stuff on page two to push that aggressively to kind of pump it back down to page two again. Interesting. So are there, you have some examples of where this hasn't worked, where it's just been too salacious? Yeah, uh, sex scandals are probably the worst things, especially when it's like an ongoing sex scandal. Those are very difficult to deal with. Um, there's some stuff that we just say flat out now. Like uh, mm-hmm. I remember uh, actually you and I, I believe we talked about a particular individual and uh, initially it sounded like it was just a normal run-of-the-mill sex scandal, but the more we dug into it, it's like, this is bad, mm-hmm. there's abuse, there's more things, things might be still going on. Or like, we have no interest in being part of that. Yeah, it's like, uh, And that's not just for search reasons, it's also for ethical reasons, but uh, those sorts of stories will stick around for a very long time. So they're hard to get, to mm-hmm. get moved out. And so it seems like you could also create those types of scandals as well, right? Yes, negative SEO. Negative SEO. Yeah. So between the two of us in this room, I think we are probably really close to the top. I would say definitely in the top 10. Are we in the billionaires edu- club? Most educated about negative SEO mm. of any yeah, group yeah. of people I've run across. We've given presentations on it together. Yeah, we have. Um, and so it's kind of a rare opportunity to cross the chasm as much as uh, as much as you and I have to come up with this thing that is a, a perfect amalgam of what we both do. I, I bet yours probably uh, <clears throat> ends up being more on the technical side. Not and, always. Okay. Not always. Not always. Um, I mean, sometimes there's great, I don't want to say holes, but like holes in infrastructure. Like, well, mm-hmm. they have comments enabled. Why you just load up with a bunch of irrelevant stuff that's adult related? And so let, let's for the audience. Um, I have talked about native SEO before, but not everyone listens to every single episode. So why, don't, why, why not? I know exactly. What are you doing? <laughs> so why don't we start with what it is and and sure. and also why Google doesn't think it exists? Okay. Uh, so uh, let's see. Around the time of Panda, um, Google shifted uh, philosophically from a positive a priori to a negative a priori. All that means is as they approach a website, they used to think any new website is inherently good. They changed their minds to any new website is inherently bad until you prove otherwise. At that point in time, negative SEO had a greater ROI and chance of success than positive SEO. Which is? All that means negative SEO is to lower the rank of an asset rather than to increase it. 
simple as that. That might be the easiest way to probably explain it. And so what activities that might get you in trouble on positive SEO, those are the things that you might over-index as a usage points on negative SEO. And there, it's, it's a, there's a fine line in some cases. I wrote a big thing on why well, S- negative SEO is not hacking. Wait, wait, wait. So, so just, just to back it up just slightly. So I can't necessarily get myself up for whatever reason. Maybe it's too expensive. Maybe it's too difficult, whatever. Mm. But maybe I can get everyone above me to go down. Okay, potentially, yes. Is that, is that, that's... that would be a potential use case for negative SEO, yes. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Why isn't it hacking? Well, so I, I just I kind of differentiate. Like, negative SEO is legal. That That's what I want to get into. It's like, <laughs> well, it can be legal. It, okay, like, just, just like uh, uh, not all rectangles are squares situation. Mm-hmm. The, the philosophical arguments out there are sometimes a little funny, and it's usually driven by pure white hats that believe anything negative SEO is somehow a cyber crime. It's like, well, no. Um, if someone goes and devalues the weight of a link pointing into a site, how, how is that hacking? Well, how did they devalue the link to that site? Um, they, maybe they, they turned it in somehow. Maybe, maybe they got it added to a whole bunch of uh, you know, uh, disavow files. Maybe they um, pointed a bunch of junky links at it. Is pointing bad links to a site hacking? I'd argue that it's not. Uh, <laughs> but for, for whatever reason, there's there's a little bit. Of, some people will make that argument. Oh, that that's uh, that's that's evil. I'm like, okay, why? You know, um, why does Google not just um, ignore it? They claim to be able to ignore all bad links. They are now on stage this week at PubCon uh, saying that uh, uh, people overuse disavow files and they do it incorrectly. Why did you then therefore create a process to create disavow files if they were going to be used incorrectly in torpedo sites? So I think that Google has the ability to ignore some links, not all links. They have the ability to, uh, to recognize some obvious attacks, not all attacks. And some, there's just no way they're gonna figure out because in some cases you're doing social manipulation to get the target site to do something out of their best interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say like one example of that that I think is really obvious is if you can just cause all the staff members to not go to work that day, then they're probably not working now, on then, their SEO. Now we're talking about the perfect shit show. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is where you can say negative SEO is really anything that devalues the website uh, in Google. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how it happens. It, it could be a f- pure social thing. It could be a pure technical thing. It could be a mix. It, it's It doesn't really matter. And that's why it's... It seems absolutely silly to me to for Google to say that it doesn't exist. Oh yeah, that's absurd. It, 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 it's the same well, as well, so. Why do they do it? Why do they? I mean, Google puts out FUD uh, uh, on a daily basis: fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That they, I think that their their PR team is probably the best engineering they've ever actually done, um, and that that includes all the products that they purchased and pretended that were Google, you know, organic products. I I think that they say it doesn't exist because they want to for the masses of users feel safe and secure, but also to not actually invest time and energy into it. Usually, in most situations, like the earlier example you cited where maybe you're ranked four and you got three people above you, it's probably in your best interest not to engage in negative SEO on the long term. You might have some short-term benefit to it, but if I can recall a situation I still feel slightly bad about in early uh, 2012 (laughs) before Penguin happened, 
I noticed that negative SEO was, was occurring way too easily. And like uh, it was accidentally happening if you put a little bit too much gas on the pedal, um, you're, we're nuking sites on accident in the payday space. I was prolific in terms of speaking to people on, uh, I think it was Microsoft Messenger at the time. And I explained it to a couple people how I think this stuff happens. Within a couple weeks, the top 50 was different mm. because people just were throwing grenades at each other. So if you if you fire a gun at someone, they might fire back. And mm -hmm. that's one of those situations for negative SEO. Should you use it? Probably not. Like maybe consider it like a mutually assured destruction. Like you have to be prepared that people respond in the way they respond. But it also it seems like you could really make it very targeted. Like I need to take out the top three for just this week because we're doing this big product launch. I need, I need to appear at the top when this whole thing happens. If, if that's the case and you're dealing with something very, very temporal, you're probably better off just doing a temporary rank brain uh, manipulation. In which case, maybe you're going, like the earlier example of like the hundreds of thousands of queries, maybe you're going on a huge, huge ad spend buying penny clicks from around the world, just the funnel into these couple phrases, and they're in like they're they're selecting your site with such a large majority that before Rank Brain can figure out whether it's manipulative or not, I'm like, well, I better put it in one for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was enough. Maybe that's and enough. And so I think that's probably a better use of budget than saying I'm going to try to you know nuke number one and two. Maybe. Um, and, and, you know, and I guess it depends on the websites too. You might look at it like, well, it's a default WordPress install and they have queries indexed. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, there's a lot of Viagra porn. Sorry about that. <laughs> it probably already has it at that point. Yeah. But um, yeah, probably. So, so walk me through it. Why would I ever use negative SEO then? It seems like positive SEO is the better path. And, yeah. and, I, and I've heard that from other SEOs. So I'd be curious. I, I just think like. Uh, Really, at the end of the day, most situations where you might be able to employ negative SEO, you might be able to employ positive SEO for less money long term. It, it, it's a tool in the toolbox. Where I think it comes in the most play is usually ORM, where you're, you're dealing with a situation where that particular result needs to go and you're having difficulties getting above it with all these other assets. Mm -hmm. Then you're thinking like, can we slow it down? Can we... Uh, can we get images hot swapped out on it? You know, there's a million other things you could potentially do, but you're looking like, how can we cause a reputational issue to exist for this result? Um, and that's that's when the negative SEO is coming into play. Mm -hmm. And why would you do it? Because the client really needs this to not be there. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about the perfect shit show. Okay, and it's evolved so much. So, it has, but just for the audience. So I'm, I don't even know what year this kind of even became about. I want to say it's Six, like seven years ago, something like that. Yeah, it was. It, so maybe let's call it like 2013. It was probably around somewhere around there. Something like that. The idea that was kind of kicking around in my head was: what are the series of activities that you can kind of string together that could put like a medium-sized business out of business, just straight up. And like it keeps evolving because there's new channels that come into play, mm -hmm. but it, it encompassed everything from like trying to contact a, a, the, the the power utilities and get them on your prepaid card and have it expire, and you can't change the contact details, so now their power's out. You talked a little bit earlier about um, the, all the employees think they need to go home, or maybe uh, you, you ship them the, the shipping boxes. That was, I think, an example you mentioned mm -hmm. in the past mm -hmm. that I love. Mm -hmm. um, little things like that, and getting the board to not trust the CEO for some reason. 
uh, signing up the CEO and his spouse to the same dating site and then matching them up together. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's so many things. And now in the, you know, the before, I think before I got into influencer marketing, I had this concept. Now look with social and how easy it is for people to get canceled, it gets way worse. Now you're in an age of, um, you know, AI video and AI pictures, like showing someone in a compromised position that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. But 50,000 people all say they saw it. Mm -hmm. How do you refute this? And especially if it's a short time period, like you're you're gonna go IPO and this stuff is leaking now and it's going nuts and you're already having a problem with your board and you're trying to deal with the fact that your spouse is yelling at you. You're trying to say, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Meanwhile, none of your your coworkers are at work. Yeah, (laughs) CFO has a bag of Coke on his desk. What the hell is going on? Like, Uh it's just a matter of injecting as much chaos and as much points as possible in order to get the outcome. Yeah, remember- And um, a lot of that would be just flat out illegal, so don't do it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, vast, vast majority in that case. <clears throat> I remember how this kind of started was a conversation with another one of our friends. He's like, I can't remember if it happened to him. I think it did happen to him. Someone submitted his resume to a whole bunch of yes. different job positions. Yeah, I don't know who that was. It was at SA Oktoberfest, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, he didn't realize what was happening at first because he's just getting HR tons. called him. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So HR called him in and, he's, and all these people are calling him all day. He like couldn't do SEO. He was like completely screwed. I'm like, I'm like, I'm stuck in calling, like calling back all these people mm-hmm. about all these jobs, and HR thinks I'm quitting because I'm you know, interviewing all day, and um, and it just occurred to me when I was hearing that story. I'm like, there's a million ways to do this, a million ways yeah. to distract somebody. And in the age of LinkedIn, <clears throat> where you can, it's nicely structured hierarchy of who are the key employees that we'd have to target. Mm-hmm. How would you target it? Maybe you actually get them better jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that'd that be like the the, the, uh, the nicest <laughs> way to do it. Like, congratulations, you have a two extra salary. <laughs> and by the way, that guy no longer can create your your key technology. I think militaries probably do this to some degree. Oh, I'm sure. And like, uh, I, I- Well, at minimum, they do it for recon. They ask, what are you working on? What what do you do all day? Like, but I mean, what like, technologies do you work like on? Like, state actors approaching, like, this, guy, this is gonna be be a threat at some point, so we're we're going to get these guys better opportunities elsewhere to delay the the nuclear program by six so, months. Or so something. this actually does happen. One of the companies that I help out um, actually has used that exact technique. They look for people Beautiful. writing papers in a very specific demographic, and they go and hire them away immediately before they they start doing the research that they are about to do. It's not just search engines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. So let's say there's a whole bunch of technical things we can do. Those are all the like the kind of non-technical things. Um, actually, another one just off the top of my head that I thought was kind of funny is it turns out there's only two pieces of paper you need to file to remove a company in Texas. So you just oh. file them on their behalf, and now they don't have a company anymore. Are, are you talking about um, the funeral director stuff? Um, no. You just all you have to do is. Um, you basically tell the Secretary of State that we're dissolving the company and sign it. They don't verify it against anything, and so. So, because Texas was the other state where you're able to become a funeral director with very minimal paperwork, and then create a fake individual that's the same name as an individual that might own the domain name, hmm. and then uh, declare them as dead, turn in the death certificate to like GoDaddy, and GoDaddy will just accept it, mm-hmm. and then um, this is now the next akin domain transfer. Mm-hmm. So, there's a bunch of versions of this. Yeah, a bunch. I bet. Especially if you transfer away from GoDaddy, so they please don't sell my shit. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of different versions of this, and there's a lot of technical versions as well. Um, you know, 
basically denial of service would be a good example. Mm -hmm. If Google can't reach your site and they think that people are bouncing, why would they keep sending traffic at it? Um, yeah, yeah, you could do like a, a header injections even with like a 503 comeback of one year. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're yeah. going to wait a year. They're going to wait a year to come back. So there's a whole bunch of different versions of that. And then, of course, your massive link uh, yeah, yeah. That link worked network. better in the past than, than now, but actually, yes. I, I think it still does work. You could slam them to a yeah. degree. And I think, I think uh, what's funny is like the way that they'll sort of treat links is they're not always trusting them initially anyway, so it kind of factors over time. So if those bad links exist for a longer period of time and no action is taken to try to fix them, then it has a more negative out outlook. But mm -hmm. initially, it'd be like, eh, whatever. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking uh, dwell time is another one of those things you can really mess with as mm -hmm. well. So that that uh, one cent per click um, yeah, sp out. super spammy, just have them immediately bounce and go to the next link and then stay there. So all of a sudden Google's like, whoa, this is a really awful site, everyone hates it. Yeah, and so like an easy way to do that is uh, so uh, adult ad networks. Um, you can get uh, the, the remnant uh, inventory and so you create an adult ad and then you just have the recipient page be the recipient, they'll, they'll bounce it out real fast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I literally can think of a hundred other ways I'm to do sure. this, and I'm sure you Just can as well. Just kind of sit around. Um, uh, email is actually a really problematic one, and, and one that came up recently that I'm disappointed in in the, in the hosting provider, where uh, a spammy like link exchange email went out, and it had multiple recipients. Someone uh, flagged it somehow and then pulled the headers and then sent it out to the host. The host banned any of the domains that were in the recipient list. Mm. Sorry, I made a sound with my, my head. Like, <laughs> but it's it's just nutty. Yeah. And so, like, it, the bar was that low for a, a, a domain to be uh, temporarily suspended. They came, mm -hmm. they got back on, right. and then they immediately moved off that damn host. Right. But that was enough. Yeah. It was like, oh wow, this wasn't even on purpose. Right. Yeah, I've seen th similar things happen on accident as well, where someone will accidentally send it to all instead of like Al or something, <laughs> and all of a sudden there's this massive amount of people emailing back and forth like, hey, please get me off this distribution list. Hey, hey, no, really, st if, if you keep replying all, it'll keep going out. And the next person's like, you're doing that exact same thing, and it just keeps happening over and over again. Uh, but if you get a couple of companies that are actually working together to do that to each other, eventually the system administrators have to block the connection between the two companies. And now they can't. And now they can't co contact each other. That's problematic. And there's a bunch of different versions of the disaster recovery um, where basically companies just don't even know that they're out of business. They're just sitting, everyone's happy sitting at their desk doing their stuff, but their site's offline. Kind of like Rackspace. Yeah. <laughs> Rackspace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's what's a company to do? I mean, how do you avoid I mean, that horrible mess? I mean, you, you can't avoid all of it. And so like each step, it, it's basically know your people, have relationships wherever you can possibly have relationships. Relationships comes down to a big piece of it. It's like, you know, but do you know your billing provider? Do you know who it is? Like those little things, like if you're, if you're in a very intractable situation, being able to call someone, say, I think I'm under attack, might, might buy you enough time to get out of the situation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of cases, like uh, keeping up to date with security, I mean, it can get you so far, but it doesn't fix anything, uh, everything rather. Like I know that I'm attacked various times. I know for a period of time you were attacked constantly. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I have been signed up for so many escort services. <laughs> 
it's a little frustrating <laughs> because like you can't just unsubscribe from these things. And so I'll get emails like there, there's no unsubscribe. Like cuddle party, like what is a cuddle party? And like, I don't, do I really want to know about this thing? Yes, you do. No, like, it, it got, like when it was actually ramping up and I was getting texts as well, like, oh, uh -huh. they have my cell phone. Uh -huh. I, I told my wife, I'm like, honey, something's going on. I got added to something. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I'm, you know, yeah. I'm trying my best here. It's happening. Yeah, just you be open and honest. That's where transparency comes into play and let your relationships know you think you're under attack. So I wasn't planning on telling a story, but uh, you just kind of reminded me. So I'm going to leave the names and sites and all, all okay. the details out of this one just because I'm not sure how, how public this is supposed to be. But, but uh, I think another one of our friends, mutual friends, uh, he... He lost control of his site somehow. Um, I think some malware got on his site or something. Uh, it was just a temporary hiccup kind of deal. No, no big deal. But it was looking like he was got malware on it. So he was put on a revocation blacklist, block list, whatever, which basically meant that no one was going to go to his site anymore. Sure. And suddenly he went from making a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, a month to making nothing with his site which is pretty typical. <clears throat> so he wanted to get off this list. So he was trying to get in touch with the company and they're like, yeah, we will review it whenever we get around reviewing it kind of deal. He's like, no, I'm losing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. I need this, like every day that goes by is Should've a lot that. of money. And so he and his buddies, um, since they were making any money, they had nothing else to do. They found out everybody who worked at this uh, company that does this revocation list. Um, they found every single person that they knew on every social network that they knew. Mm. And this is a very, very, very adult keyword. Um, and they're like, hi, um, like message like, hi, I'm so-and-so from this extremely adult word um, dot com or whatever. And um, I'm trying to get in touch with the CEO of this, this company. Um, and I'm unable to. Would you please forward this message to him that we need our site reviewed again? And so they mailed everybody or messaged them, everybody, like his college roommates, uh, his old professor, you know, his mom, like everybody, every, 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 everybody. And so the next day they get a message and saying, we've reviewed your site and uh, you're, you're re-included or whatever. And then, and then there's this big old like kind of, dot 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 sort of new paragraph the extraordinary lengths that you went to to get in touch with us did not go unnoticed <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that did not change our that did not make sure. our, change our decisions but process. you know that's not true because they had waited days up to that point mm -hmm. and they were not getting any action whatsoever and suddenly they got a lot of action so so clearly there is a way to get in touch with people who you need to get in touch with. Well, it, it's like whenever any of our friends has uh, a social account that's temporarily banned, or uh, it happens Speak like you uh, happen to you. I, I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> like when, when someone tries to pretend to be a Leda a lot, uh -huh. it happens frequently. It's it's kind of weird. Uh -huh. um, when you have enough of a friend network to say like, "Hey, this is this is bad," and, and flagging it, you can help to, to reverse the situation. Sure. Yes, it's currently happening to me. And yes. <laughs> hopefully, it's resolved by the time this comes out. Otherwise, yeah. you know, thanks, Elon. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, having the relationships goes a long way. And yeah, absolutely, it, it, their process did change. While the while the criteria may not have changed, they jumped the queue. Yeah, absolutely. It's squeaky wheels. That stuff works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I got a lot of lessons out of that particular one. I mean, the vulnerability of having any sort of social network at all and letting people know who you know is, is really quite dangerous. Yeah. 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 
and maybe maybe you can block them, but you can't block every single one no. of their friends. I mean, that's, that's. I mean, if someone managed to connect with all like seventeen thousand people I have on on LinkedIn, like, well, yeah. what am I going to do about that? Yeah, you're, you're going to get some. I don't know those people anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, I'd I want to talk a little bit about dark patterns with you. Okay. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with this. I am. Okay. So this is one of those few websites that I, I kind of really wish I actually did own. Let's not take it over, but I, I kind of wish I had, uh, I had bought this one ahead of time because it seems to me like there's a lot of dark patterns out there that no one's really talking mm -hmm. about. Um, I know the FTC... Uh, put out a questionnaire asking if anyone could give them examples of uh, dark patterns. So, at minimum, the FTC is starting to look at it for a cancellation uh, uh, flows, especially cancellation not. flows or trying trying to make the consumer do something the consumer does not want to do mm -hmm. um, in general. Um, so, the example I like to use is on a lot of news sites. Uh, they'll have a like, "Hey, you're using an ad blocker." Um, click here to, to uh, unblock us or whatever. It's notifications. And yeah. then they have a no, go ahead and proceed, but it is written in text that does not look like it's a link. And so that would be an example of a dark pattern. It makes you do something I didn't want to do. It appears as if there's nothing I can do other here than sign up for a newsletter and unblock. And actually the thing I want to do is in, in text uh, that is not underlined. The other example was, I think... It was one of the free credit report companies. I'm not sure which one. Maybe.com. I'm, I'm not going to say for sure because I'm not for sure mm -hmm. which one it was. But they had a, a bar at the very, very top that basically said, you do not need to use this site. You can get your credit score oh, for free. Oh, annualcreditreport.com, yeah. Get, yeah, you can do, you, uh, maybe, maybe, that maybe that's where you should go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's basically like, you don't have to use this site. It's, you can just get this information for free. Uh, there's no reason to do this, basically. But the, but the color of text in the, that they used and the styling that they used made it look like it was part of the Chrome of the page. And for those who don't know what Chrome mm -hmm. is, it's the, everything that isn't the inside of the browser. It's all the outside. doesn't matter which browser you're using, by the way. Firefox or Internet Explorer, it's all the Chrome. That's why it's called Chrome. Just Google. Got to love them. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> but that little thing up there, it looks like it's part of the, of the background, of, mm -hmm. part of the part of the, the web browser and not part of the web page. Or if you really try to concentrate on it, what it looks like is it's sort of the kind of error message like a lot of websites have when they have like database connection errors. It's like ODBC error, blah, 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 blah. It looks like something you're not supposed to look at and it doesn't impact your usage of the web page at all. So your eye just cannot see it. Your eye just goes right over it to the main meat of the page. And so I just wondered, from your perspective, like, are you seeing this in your side of the fence? Are you using it? Oh, I'm definitely not using it. Like, uh -huh. I, I actually pride myself on making a product that's stupidly simple to leave and join, hmm. and I'm I'm able to sleep at night with that. Hmm. I know I'm leaving a ton of money on the table, but I'm okay with that. Um, actually, we're seeing it a lot. Uh, the CFPB is is currently working with What's that? Uh, the. Oh my gosh, I'm going to flub on the name of it. It's like, it's the Financial Protection Bureau, mm -hmm. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Mm -hmm. So um, that agency is working with the FTC on this. And one of the main things that they're looking at is uh, the, I guess they're calling it like fraudulent upsells, mm -hmm. where you're you're signing up for a service, but you're also getting tacked on. So I think they're going to kind of probably roll this into the whole junk fee attack that's currently going on, which, good. But um, I think it's along the lines of... Uh, there was a particular upsell that happened a lot back in the day where you do um, acai berry uh, 
ketone diet weight loss thing, and they're upselling automatic uh, recur billing for a colon cleanse sort of thing. So they're, they're attacking on things that were difficult to get rid of. And so they actually went after affiliate networks initially on the FTC a long, long time ago. They're kind of looking at it again on financial industries because some of them are being too shady. We're like, you're getting this loan product, but you're also opting into a monthly credit report monitoring that you, you didn't need, mm -hmm. but it was part of a, a, an unselect checkbox that you had to select to get rid of but it wasn't clear that you did. Mm -hmm. That's a dark pattern that I, I would very much like to have go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen something similar. Um, it was a airline, if memory serves, and it, the insurance was extremely difficult really? to understand that you are supposed to uncheck something to get rid of it. It was like auto-selected, auto and it was selected in such a way that it made it look like it was it was like visually difficult to tell what was happening like on the page. Like a major carrier? Or? Uh, it was a smaller carrier, okay. but uh, but I think the that was specifically called out on the Dark Patterns website. Okay. I just wish, I actually talked to the, the guy who ran it, I just wish he'd update it with more examples because this is the kind of thing that people really need to know. And because you're, you're out there shopping for whatever, you know, something, you know, weight loss, whatever, and all of a sudden you signed up for a magazine. Like, well, how did that happen? <laughs> you know what my favorite one was, because it was probably like the most innocuous, was the fake hair. It was, it, was the, it was the mobile ad, and they, and they digitally will put like a fake hair that looks like it came off the top of your head. Uh -huh. So you swipe to get it off, uh -huh. and you're engaging with the ad. Uh -huh. Like, that's really smart. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like less bad, but it's like, oh, man. Yeah. That, that goes back to the whole obscured content, misclick stuff. Right. But that works. Yeah, the other one that's very common is uh, it looks like a video, but it's not. It's oh, that sucks. Yeah. yeah, that's very, very common as well. So you think it's going to go away? You think the FTC is going to come down on it? I, they might, but I think, I, I think a lot of cases like FTC, CFPB, and all those alphabets, they'll, they'll make a couple examples of some people, but I don't think as a whole it'll go away. It might just make a couple prominent ones go away and to act as enough of a deterrent to slow down mm -hmm. some of the other stuff. Yeah, okay, good. All right, so elections okay well, I know you know things about elections so um, so my I actually just talked with Marty um, okay. a couple of days ago I was hoping to see you out at PubCon as well in fact by the way uh, let me be the last one to say happy Thanksgiving because oh, we were you. supposed to uh, hang out at this Thanksgiving is third time this is the, the third time we've tried to do this uh, first time was some illness Sometime, the second time was weather, and this is the third time. Yeah. So it I was kind of hoping you were going to be out in PubCon, but uh, here we are. Yeah. I flew out to you. See? Ooh. We made it happen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but we, we talked quite a bit about elections, yeah. um, Marty and I. But I know you also had feelings about it. So um, from your perspective, what happened in 2016? <sighs> One guy won, one lady lost. <laughs> I, I, know, I know where you're going with this. And so... Uh, it's your story to tell. So. In, in the summer of 2016, before the election, uh, Terry Godier and I were trying to figure out what are we going to talk about it on Gagged. And so we talked about, well, let's, let's talk about dark influence. And, and we talked about different methodologies of influencing people to, do, to take actions they may not want to. So kind of like the dark patterns, but uh, from a, a social manipulation point of view. And then we started saying, well, let, let's look at elections because this is like one of those examples where it could be everywhere. It was everywhere. And so we, we figured out through uh, like, um, we looked at like an Ngram analysis and, and Reddit posts where we could see where 
I don't want to get in trouble. One campaign was uh, was astroturfing on a primary opponent in order to to paint a narrative well before a potential uh, accusation came out that 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 looked like it was spur of the moment, and that ended up taking away enough support for that primary candidate where that candidate was no longer the one that won that the party wanted to win. The other thing we, we saw that was really crazy was we would see a major candidate retweeting the most absurd stuff. Not hard to figure out which candidate this particular one was. But we started saying like, where did this originate? And so we went through these rabbit holes like, okay, this is, this is crazy and it's on Twitter, okay. Where did this user go? Try to find the digital footprint that could take some time. Oh, Reddit, cool, go into the Reddit and then they have a particular subreddit they're all congregating in. Find it here, where did this start? found it on like 4chan. I'm like, okay, well, where is this? Like, can we figure anything out? Can we run ads on it? Can we figure out like, the IPs? We have traced a lot of IPs like Eastern Europe. And that's where we're figuring out like, there could be some weird disinformation stuff funneling up for the purposes of influencing an election. And we got a little uncomfortable with that. Uh, we presented on what we knew before the election took place. Like, this is weird, but we think this candidate has a shot because this is just crazy. Something's, something's going on. Mm -hmm. And then we we ducked calls from the Washington Post national security <laughs> uh, reporter. Um, I, I, at first, I was kind of open, like, yeah, maybe I would want to talk to law enforcement. And then I thought of it, I was like, I don't want to be thrown under the bus because I have no, I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't want anything to do with this. I, we were just doing research for a conference, and we found stuff that anyone should be able to find. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm sure a lot of people found way crazy. Well, you are quite a bit more technical than the average. Uh, Terry's know, more technical than I am. And so like he certainly found stuff and I was I was kind of you know doing the the, the string on the wall to <laughs> mind style with all the extra crazy. So we we've definitely figured stuff out, but I do believe that um, any three letter agency should have been able to to see this coming from miles away. Well I, I mean surely they did to some degree because, um, and this is actually kind of interesting. You were talking about some some recent disclosures that are coming out um, offline. We were talking yeah, about yeah, this, yeah. but um, but one of the one of the things like uh, saying that there was zero influence from anybody outside the United States is, yeah, it's is false. It's false. Uh, it's false. And not only is it false, I know personally that it's false outside of your analysis and others <clears throat> because I saw like for instance one reporter came to me and as it does happen on, on occasion they're like hey could you please verify what I'm looking at mm. it's too technical for me I would like somebody to bounce this off of so I took a look at it and it was this video that somebody had made making it look like they had compromised um, an, an institution that was would be noteworthy mm -hmm. and I took a look at it and I'm like this is all doctored. This is all fake. This is not true at all. Everything is, is make-believe. And I said, you can prove it because of this and this and this. I gave him like 10 reasons. Um, and he said, well, uh, I can't go back to this, this hacker saying, you know, this is all false. Um, I, have to, I have to try to get it more information out of him. And I'm like, well, tell him that I'm just your IT guy. Uh, so he's going to try to bat me down right away and say, could you give me anything else to prove it, right? And so he did. He created a second video, but the second video was far worse than the first video. And so it made all kinds of other errors and things that were like just quite obviously not true. And you know, files that didn't have any length in them because they were just running out of time. So they just made a bunch of files. Look, I got all this data, yeah, but there's no data. Look busy. Yeah, yeah, look, look, look like it was something, but it wasn't. 
I'm like, yeah, it's all bullshit. And here's the 10 more reasons outside of the original reasons that it's, that it's not true. And then he forwarded me an email that he received that was to him and about 20 other journalists plus all these people in government, like all very high ranking officials all over the government trying to say like, this is happening, we've done this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what, what upside could there possibly yeah, yeah. be to meddle with this other than just, just to dissuade people from looking in the correct direction? This is just another red herring to push people into doing investigations that aren't gonna lead anywhere. Um, and this definitely came from Russian uh, IP addresses. This is for sure coming from overseas. So, I mean, from your perspective, do you think it actually worked? Do you think that the influence had a real effect? Uh, it might have. I mean, and that, that's the tricky part. Like, um, I think it might have enough, um, depending on when it started, like, and I don't have a good beat on like when the, infer- the influence really was kicking off. In some of the cases, I think it might have been enough to influence like a state level. And if it did, then you know, was it Wisconsin? Was it was something that was like very much on the line, which I, I know that they tried to over-index their time on. Mm-hmm. We can even go back to like the Facebook group stuff, where before Facebook and Facebook had to make that change of like where the administrators are located. Mm-hmm. There was there was a lot of crazy activity where the meme sharing was specifically targeted. It was you know when they got sloppy, they were misspelling things or they would use the wrong translation for things that like yes, let's play a game at the ballpark. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, sorry, I don't mean to make the accents, but <laughs> yes, you did. But uh, uh, no, I shouldn't. Uh, like I love Russian people, hate the Russian government. Let's uh-huh. leave it at that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I I think it was just it was super obvious that it was occurring. How many votes and influence? I don't know. How many, how many people flipped from from Hillary to Trump, so to speak? I don't know. But I do know, like, how many people, um, you know, were dissuaded enough not to go to Bernie to Hillary? Would that have made a difference? That's impossible to say at that point. But I think there was enough uh, of manipulation going on for long enough to kind of set up the situation that occurred. Yeah, I was. I was. I don't uh, think this is the first election either. I think this has yeah, been going on for a while. Yeah, probably. Although maybe far more weaponized more recently, so I was uh, talking with um, Marty a little bit about this as well. But another person, I'm not 100% sure you know, but um, has spoken at some of the conferences you and I have gone to, um, was talking about the fact that he was involved personally in trying to sway the election by creating a large botnet. Um, uh, I'm not going to use his name. Was, but, he, was, was he selling hats by any chance? I don't know. Because uh-huh. I, I think I know who this was, and he uh-huh. was selling hats. Uh-huh. And so he tried to sell hats for all the major candidates, and only one candidate's hat was regularly selling well. Interesting. Yeah, so that, that's, that seems national security reporter was really trying to get a hold of him as well. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard from him since. I see. So he made the claim that he'd switched a lot of people over and actually could have possibly swayed the election just he, by He himself. made that claim to me, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if any of that's true or not. I have um, no way to verify it. No way to verify it, me either. Um, he claimed it was a it was a Orthodox Jew living in Russia who built the code. Yeah. Um, We're talking about the same person. We are talking about the same person. So I don't know if that story is true or not, but 
it doesn't seem like it would take too much to do exactly what he claimed. So whether it's true or not that he did it, it doesn't seem like terribly yeah. impossible to have been done. And this took, uh, so that particular conversation took place the same uh, conference that Terry and I gave our speech. And so he was in a different hall and he, he spoke later in the day. He approached me later to ask me if I'd be interested in uh, determining the outcome in, uh, in Myanmar. I said, I need to contact the State Department about it. Hadn't heard since after that. Mm -hmm. So probably not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I did. Was, I was able to get in contact with him at some point later, um, and he basically said that he wanted to weaponize it for the purpose of selling other things, yeah. you know, not just elections. Uh, so he sounded legitimate enough to me to whether either he had already built it and it was real or he was about to build it and it was close enough to being real that it was a realistic threat. I, I got the sense it was probably a quasi-product, and so it, it may have worked, but I think it was... Uh, part manual mm -hmm. in the process. Yeah, could have been. Yeah. Could have been. Well, yeah. And that would make sense because he had to find people who he felt were on the fence. Yeah. And that's the part that felt very manual to me. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I guess you could probably do that in sentiment analysis if it, and maybe it's gotten even better in the last, well, you know, eight years. Mm -hmm. So how do you think it's going to be done in the future if, if it is? Is this uh, just I mean, more of the same or... I think it's going to be a co well, combination of more and the same, but also like we feel more divided now than we were then. Mm -hmm. How many people are switching from a, a Trump DeSantis to a Biden or vice versa? Very few. So I think they're all kind of going down to reach the people um, that didn't get out the vote the last time. Or I think the one that I saw the most was suppress people, like tell, uh, put run ad units with the wrong election date. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is going to be what, what happens a lot more. There's going to be a lot more state-level manipulation to try to get polling places to not work properly or uh, potentially have people believe they're not going to work properly and mm -hmm. therefore take a never action. Mm -hmm. I was very disappointed in the state of Arizona here where we actually had people campaigning against um, absentee ballots, which uh, vote-by-mail is probably the best outcome you know, from you know if uh, equity standpoint you know, if, if it works <laughs> it works great but I mean, it, 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 and then you drop it in a blue box you're, you're pretty good to go yeah um it allows people to sit down and like think through and make informed decisions like it, it, it all all the litigation and stuff and that has come out like it keeps being reaffirmed that it's a great way to go yeah it, but, when, but they when shot it themselves works. in the foot when it works yeah, yeah the problem is they shot themselves in the foot they got they got a large section of elderly individuals that were only voting by mail to try to figure out polling and didn't want to get out of the house to do it. So they actually reduced their own base because of the, the stance that they took. Mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't a good move. Yeah, I agree. So uh, in the future, do you think we're going to have more kind of... Well, okay, I'm going to ask a different question. Are you familiar with Dinesh D'Souza? Yes, I am. Okay. So, or do we get to you know say what full you can shit say, is? You can say you can say anything you want. Uh, okay. This is not censored. Um, but I was at a meeting that he was at where he was trying to explain to a bunch of donors, uh, of which I don't even know why I was in the room, um, that he was going to potentially put this out to a bunch of people. This new video, mm, um, this the is, meals, yeah. I think this is actually before that. I think this is maybe the previous election cycle. Um, and the technology that he was going to employ was, uh, I mean, something you could have done in the late 80s. Okay. Um, 
I mean, except for it being a DVD instead of a VHS, it was basically identical, just mail out to a bunch of people who we think should watch this kind of thing. Um, I was kind of curious, like, okay, let's say we wanted to do something much more grandiose, like, what would you do these days? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Um, whatever I did in order to fake it, I would just keep repeating it, because that's what worked. Is like just the repetition of it. Like no matter how many times it's been discredited. So that individual has been discredited multiple times. You could drive trucks through the holes in, in his, his logic there. But he just keeps repeating, 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 repeating as true, even though it's been shown repeatedly that it's not true. Mm -hmm. His followers will keep <coughs> repeating it as well. So like that whole fake virality that becomes organic virality. It works in politics too. So I really think um, whatever lie you end up coming up with, if you have enough people repeating it on a loop, the more likely it is to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, we're kind of running into a, a defamation lawsuit that kind of proves that. Interesting, so lie. <laughs> I mean, uh, is that it? I mean, it's not exactly a new strategy for politicians. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it, that's, that seems to be where it's going. And I, I, hope, I hope that we have some semblance of order where people choose to rise above that and say, you know what, no, we're just gonna disagree on fundamental philosophical reasons and leave it at that and believe that each other is a good person. But in absence of that fake reality, it'll be lies. Mm -hmm. So I remember a conversation I had with somebody, I'm pretty sure you know who this is, um, this is a long time ago, probably 14, 15 years ago, something like that. Okay. Um, and he was basically saying, we, we've been playing around with the idea of launching articles that are 100% completely wrong, like just totally totally lies. Like XYZ girl was raped on this campus, okay. college campus by a police officer, blah, blah, blah. Just totally made up, like 100% fake. And... He said it worked incredibly well with one exception. Everyone wanted to talk to him and get a quote. Um, and so he's like, well, damn it. Like, I just don't have the resources to manage being on the phone all day and talking to these people. But it seems like a pretty good strategy, uh, despite the fact that it was annoying for him. For a political assassin, like you could do all kinds of crazy things if you wanted to. If you wanted to take out somebody, just run some unbelievably salacious article, get some quotes out there. As long as the as the press is basically on your side, they'll run it probably because they've got a quote, and then it doesn't have to be even vaguely true. Yeah, you could run it through a call center that uses a voice modulator. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. for my privacy, I, I yeah. want to be anonymous, and so that yeah. can get you so far. Yeah, yeah. It seems like that dovetailing with you know actual politicians chiming in saying no it's true i've i've heard things like yeah. that in the past and you know. they'll latch on to any conspiracy that happens to further their own political goal and that's yeah. unfortunate yeah so it seems like there's something there there um i just don't know the oh, the only defense i can come up with and i keep coming back to this and i'm, I'm using not, your head well that's a defense for me, but it's not defense for everybody else. Yeah, um, but it seems like the more absolute crap we can put on the internet, the better. Because then at least everyone's like, no, this is probably not true because 999 things that I read today were sure. also not true. You don't make tacos with like, you know, steel. You know, that's not yep. how you make tacos. <laughs> well, I mean, if you get the shavings right, well, you want pig iron because pig iron is like carnitas. <laughs> 
I don't know. What do you think? Is that uh, more more BS? The answer, or like do we have technical controls, legal controls. Like, is there anything? But the, so, like, my, I guess my problem is uh, the legal controls work so slowly yeah. that they don't ever really seem to solve the problem at the point in time the problem exists. Mm -hmm. um, That's my problem with like it too. Business controls—they're going to do what the bottom line dictates, and so technical controls is where you're left. You could flood with garbage. I suppose that works. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's actually an answer to it. So one thing that they've he I've heard the very right-leaning um, Republicans I've, I've talked to about this say is, what if we had a social network, call it, call it Twitter, call it, ex call it exactly Twitter, <clears throat> that was owned by someone who's very right-leaning, somebody like an Elon Musk, but then we uh, tied it back into something like, like your... Um, social security number and driver's license or whatever. So we know that you're an American. We know that you, Joe Sinkwitz, are mm -hmm. an American, and we know who you are. Now, I can't query that information, but I know that you've got the right kind of check mark that says that you're a real, actual American. Okay. And Twitter changes its policies uh, to say that we are uh, the, the place for all uncensored uh, comments, as long as we know who you are. So if you are an American citizen, you can say whatever you want, and we know you're an American citizen. If you're not, well, then you get censored because we have to, because we don't know who you are. Um, and that way, they get out of the business of censorship, which is nice, or at least for most of, the, uh, most of their users, or at least the American users. Um, and the, the next benefit is if you do anything illegal or spammy or whatever, they know exactly who you are. Um, so... That's kind of an interesting take to it. Um, it's more of a legal control, um, less of a technical control, but it ends up kind of being both. I think the stats are something like one in five or one in six uh, American uh, adults are on Twitter. So That could be the, the new public f forum or whatever. What I was thinking is that means that you got maybe uh, you know 80% of people that you could fake to put on there. Uh, if you if you know what their social security numbers are and mm -hmm. you know a picture of them and create their identities for them mm -hmm. and make it very difficult for them to actually get access to their own profiles, now you're saying things on behalf of someone else. So Germany got around this with something they called post-identin. You actually have to physically go to the post office with your ID to get a special okay. code and it's kind of a process. but. Mm. Post offices is basically everywhere. I mean, I'm sure there's one in town, so you can get there pretty easily. And by virtue of knowing exactly who you are and tying that to your ID, you can't really do that in bulk. You might be able to do it onesie twosie, but you're not going to be able to do millions of users. I think mean, what what type of uh, risk exists now for the network? Now they have even more sensitive information um, when they're compromised. They only have a, a token. They only know that it's. They only have a token. They only okay. know that. This person in the, in the post-identin world, that they only know that this is a verified user, and if anything illegal ever happens, they have recourse because they can go say, "Hey, government, there's this illegal person who you have verified with this number." That's interesting. It, it feels like there might be a methodology to circumvent somehow that I'm just not seeing yet. Yeah. I'd say that'd probably be one big channel that exists. Um, the other would be to uh, have a lot of offline influence towards that person to do and act in certain ways because they're going to get paid to do it, but they're a real person. Therefore, it carries more weight now. So mm -hmm. maybe the ROI is better. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that'd be a terrible idea for them to do. Yeah, why is that? I'd curious. Uh, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, it always feels like when 
any network tries to say this is who we are, it backfires. Hmm. Just with, like without a doubt. Like it doesn't matter where they are in the political spectrum, it will create a a purist situation very quickly. Interesting. So anytime they have a moral high ground, is that kind of what you're it, saying? It, it, they will do anything for the end to justify the means. Hmm. That's that's how I sort of take that. Do you think that inc is inclusive of the Super Bowl ads, for instance, when they of are course. saying, yeah, those two? Do you yeah. think they all backfire? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. How so? I are, are, we, are we talking about the religion ads? Uh, whatever, whatever. I, mean, I was actually thinking of the. the like we have, we stand for diversity. Like we'll kneel with our oh, cohorts. Okay. I mean, there's a bunch of different versions of I, the same. I, I thought that was sort of signal. fake. Yeah, um, yeah. I, again, like I, I hate purity tests because it's always it's always a way to try to exclude when you're supposed to be talking about inclusivity. That's the funny thing about it. Like mm -hmm. we include everyone so long as you say these following five things in this particular order, and you you, you look like this, you do this thing, this this thing. And so while the right will attack the left about doing that, the left does the exact thing and attacks the right about it. So I don't like the, this is how we are, this is what we, we say and how we do, because it, let's say it's right-owned and right-leaning, there's certain language that really only exists on the right when I speak to my right-leaning clients. I don't hear that language on the left at all. Mm -hmm. When I talk to the left-leaning clients, they use language that does not exist on the right. And the things that they're worried about on each other, they're, they're, they're silly made up things usually. They're, there's so many of these little culture wars that are not really issues, but they're turned into big issues because that's where money's made from advertising. Mm -hmm. So I think that... Out of curiosity, can you give me an example of the language where that's... Mm -hmm. <sighs> All right, so like the, the, the woke thing is kind of uh, getting a lot of play where um, it's used way more on the right, I noticed, than it is on the actual left to, as it, someone to describe themselves. Hmm. Um, that's it's funny because it used to be the other way around. It, it, and it wasn't a really a big deal, though. It was just sort of like, oh, yeah, a, a, a woke individual. Like, hey, what does that mean? I'm going to go look it up on the Google. Oh, that's interesting. And then it became like a, a pejorative. Like, yeah. ah, this yeah. is what you are. Yeah. Like, the whole, like, you're a liberal. Okay, well, what does that mean? Like, how are you using it? Mm -hmm. how, how do they describe themselves as that? Mm -hmm. um, some, like, the, you know, bathroom issues, trans issues, like a lot of issues that are not that big of issues are kind of blown out of proportion. I think... Mm. This kind of gets into um, some of the ORM stuff we do and some of the ORM stuff I'd like to do where we kind of call it shifting opinions, where you take a 2% situation to make it look like a 98% situation, or vice versa, take something that's broadly accepted and make it look like it's not accepted at all. Hmm. I sort of think some culture war stuff that occurs in left and right is playing out like that. I know there's other actors at play, kind of making an issue seem like it's more problematic than it actually is, and vice versa. And it only causes more discord and hate amongst the groups. Mm -hmm. I'm an issues guy, so I kind of float one way or another, like, no, I think you guys are right. No, you're right on this one. And I don't fit in anywhere, which is both good and bad. <laughs> so you remind me of this project that I was plan I was early, early stages of thinking about doing this, but like, I am fairly certain you can just use language, and I don't mean sem semantic language, I just mean like keyword analysis to tell whether someone's very politically right or left-leaning based on their word choice. So a very simple example is when you say 
the Democrats. Yes, you know where it's coming from. It's almost always right-leaning. Mm-hmm. Or you say the Republicans, almost always left-leaning. You, you actually brought simple, this up simple. a while back. Yeah, I think I think You, I you brought it up on like a, a being able to parse a headline to know beforehand mm-hmm. what the article was going to yeah, be in terms of yeah, positive yeah, negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep thinking there is something to that where you can identify the partisanship ahead of time. Like, okay, I need to read this from the opposite lens because I need to be on the defense because they clearly have an agenda. You know, if they're very in the center, that's one thing. But almost no one's in the center these days. So if you're very right-leaning, I need to le- read it from mm. the left side. If you're very left-leaning, I need to read it from the right it side. It helps a ton to know what optic was used to write it. So yeah. you can know, like, I look at a lot like wine because mm-hmm. I'm apparently an alcoholic. No, I, I like my wine, though. <laughs> but, like, what I like to tell people is I've read Robert Parker enough to know when he describes a wine a certain way, whether or not I agree with him, I understand what terminology he's using and how it's going to translate to my palate. Mm-hmm. So same thing with political spectrum. If you you have a certain leaning and certain issues, so if you know that, oh, this was written from a slightly different view, here's how it translates to actuality, real world, my reality. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like it too. Um, I just couldn't quite think through all of the permutations of it. What I really needed is like a massive corpus where I could guarantee it was left or right to train. There's, there's an and app I just never got and it. I can't remember it. Like, this is where I wish I could say, Jamie, Jamie, and like, and like have, <laughs> have it looked up. But there, I got my Chris, but. Uh, yeah, there's, there's an app website that, um, that does, it tries very, very hard to, to provide the, the, the lean and mm-hmm. uh, on the fly as you're looking at stuff in like a toolbar s- situation so mm-hmm. you can know, okay, this, this is kind of how this was written. This, the author tends to go this way, this way, depending on the issue. That'd yeah, be handy. That'd be, that'd be handy, but, uh, but... You know, how do they determine that? Yeah, how do they determine that? Right? Uh-huh. What lens How do they we use? manipulate this? Exactly. And, and also, it doesn't, it doesn't really cover what I'm saying because you can write something from a left perspective on mm-hmm. the right and then be left leaning. Yeah. It, so it's it's kind of you know you might just believe in this counterfactual thing and that's you know that's your right to do that. Change your mind on one issue that doesn't mean you're left leaning or right leaning. It just that's your opinion on this article. I, I think like David Brooks is um, is a good example of someone that's provided more existential crises and liberals than anyone else I, I read. Just simply because he's obviously coming from a right perspective, but he'll describe it in a way that a liberal will understand. And then sometimes he'll flip back and like, oh, what, do I agree with this guy or not? Like, <laughs> so like, it, uh, yeah, absolutely. Author, author level stuff gets very intriguing. Yeah, especially... There's a lot of people who I think are much more centrist, um, who are just, people want to peg them as one thing on one issue, and therefore yeah. you are this, and they're like, actually, I'm a lifelong the other one. <laughs> you know, like a, it is, I, th- I think there's more centrist than anything else, yeah. but we're, we're being told we have to be in one camp or another, and it's, it seems like a false choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I dare ask, where are you? On, uh, you did ask. No, I said, do I dare ask? I have not voted a straight ticket in a very, very long time. Yeah, I can say that about you. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Like, I, I was going to go somewhere with that, though. Um, it, it seems like a ranked choice mm-hmm, and, yeah. and multi-party just seems like the play. That way you can have factions come together mm-hmm. like in, in a ways that solve a problem. Yeah. I, whether or not that's ever doable in our country, I don't know, but... Yeah. On state by state, I know Alaska did it, and it had a very interesting outcome. So Yeah, interesting. Okay, so if you were going to launch a brand today, knowing all of this stuff about politics and, the, and people being able to override anything you want to do, and 
negative SEO and positive SEO and influencer marketing? Like, where would you be spending your time and money in the marketing world? Oh, because a lot of people are, I think, looking on the outside in, and and to me. This is a pretty well understood space. I mean, I've been doing this for a very long time. How much money do I have in this theoretical budget? Um, well, let's say it's a it's, let's say it's a new co, and you're just getting up and running, and maybe you've got a couple million dollars for R and D, and you know maybe half a million dollars for marketing. You know, I probably go scrape a bunch of emails. Mm. I, I think um, I would try to, especially if it's a new co, new product. I would let them know that they've been sort of chosen. Uh, to be uh, beta users of this new brand, and I really care about their feedback. And so I'd gauge their entire brand experience about how do I tailor this more towards you personally. Uh, now, granted, we'd probably be very selective about how we gather that information. If maybe it's a product that there's forms that we can infiltrate and grab the information, maybe we have to use LinkedIn scraping or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Maybe it's a product hunt sort of situation. So I'd probably go like the community approach first until I get enough of a double down. Then I'd probably try to use lookalike audience enough to try to figure out who are the demographics of these individuals. Where do they play online? Um, that's where the influencer marketing comes back into play. Like, are they all a very young generation that's only TikTok? Well, then I'm going to have to spend money there in order to do something. I'm probably wasting my money spending it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're older. Maybe. What if it's like B2B or something? B2B, um, my three favorite are LinkedIn, YouTube, and blogs. Mm. Um, blogs still. Blo- I, you can't get away from them. Mm. I mean, they continue to work. So what's cool about B2B, now say it's like a really complicated product. What you're probably going to want to do is you're probably going to get an expert. So we talked about the whole pen testing thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do an interview with Robert on the pen test, and it's going to take an hour. It's going to be the most detailed video ever. Not an hour. <laughs> it's going to be a couple days with Robert Hansen. We're going to have sleeping bags. We're going to do mar- marshmallows in the backyard. Perfect. So, uh, so this really long-format video, very, very in-depth. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find experts in B2B. Mm-hmm. If you, could, you only need to find one or two. Then what you're going to do is you're going to syndicate these out on blogs. You're going to embed them. So you're going to be able to drive traffic and user signals back to YouTube. The blog post is now better because it has a really important piece of content in there. And on the blog post is going to be a reaction to Robert. It's like, well, based on his expertise, this is what he seems to be saying. Here's how I interpret it. That goes so far. So now you have B2B, the community that you're trying to reach out to. You say, well, this is the product. This is the end user. This is what this person thinks about the product and end user. And then you're taking these blog posts. Are you, are you slicing it up? Are you making it small? Not or? yet. Okay, okay. Not yet. This is just the initial phases. <laughs> okay, okay. And then you're taking these and you're putting them on, on one after the other on LinkedIn. My views on uh, the pen test review of Robert Hansen. And they're just post after post after post after post. The snippets down, well, that you can do everything. That's what I like about YouTube. You can drop it down into, obviously, the shorts now before then, but then you can throw in the reels. They're on some short format TikTok series. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, there's, you, if there's good stills, then you have, obviously, Instagram by itself. You, have either, you can put stuff back on the Twitter to amplify. Twitter's still the best amplification tool out there. Mm-hmm. No matter what medium you're doing, amplify it on Twitter. It works fantastic. But I would start with YouTube and then put it into blogs and LinkedIn from there. Mm. And then, of course, when you're going down. And, and so you think CFOs or CTOs or whoever, this sort of, whoever has the purse strings are actually looking at blogs still? Uh, or you just funnel them to those blogs? It's, it's, a, it's a mix of both, right? And mm-hmm. so like you're, when you're looking for a decision, you're still looking around for it. Like, how are you going to find it? 
in some cases they're finding it because it's kind of thrown in front of their face. Maybe it's because they happen to see it in a LinkedIn feed because they're following enough people in the industry. Maybe they see it because they're looking at something on YouTube and because of their previous history, the algorithm decided to surface this. Uh, if they're searching for it in Google, well, you also have a ton of blogs on this too. Mm -hmm. And you have the videos ahead of time because you just embedded those in the blogs and that was a great signal for YouTube and the Google connection to say, Haha, we're a monopoly, let's show it. And you know, it, it becomes a reinforcing signal. Mm. I'm really surprised you said email because during the pandemic, we Email's felt- great. We, well, but the funny thing is, the open rates were abysmal, and when they were open, no one ever clicked through. It was like really bad, unless we could actually make it really to them for reals. And that was that was the hard part. If, yeah, if you handcraft it, I mean, and it has to be really custom, then it works right. If we're talking custom, then I, I and, and if it's a high enough dollar figure, yeah, like let's say it's a. $50,000 ASP or something. Oh, dang. Then I'm probably doing a campaign. Uh, I'm going to still probably do email to backfill. I'm not going to do calls and texts because that's crap's annoying. I'm going to use handwritten. So handwritten's a servicer out in Phoenix, buddy of mine. Oh, it's, Dave, a, it's Dave a literal Lex. company called Handwritten. He invented his own <laughs> robots to do handwriting analysis. And so it'll understand what your handwriting is and it'll be able to do whatever. Uh, he does like things like chat GPT integration. Skip all that. You can come out with uh, your actual, uh, you know, tailored stuff. It's actually handwritten on a variety of mechanisms. Maybe you're doing like a really long letter, then a postcard and something else. And you're just kind of doing a drip campaign, let them know, I care about you. I've identified you. I'm just going to keep following up until you give me yes or no. Hmm. If it's a high enough dollar figure, that might be how I go about it. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that did seem to work relatively well is uh, just meeting people in person. Even during COVID, uh, just you know, finding ways to go and meet people. So maybe uh, the disconnect was, here, which is, is pretty bad. You you were actually you're you're pushing a much higher dollar. Um, uh, well, I mean, it just depends, right? If it was lower, like much lower, like uh, we have some competitors that are you know hundreds of dollars as opposed to tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Very different product, but it's you know people could say it's kind of competitive. Them, I don't know why you'd ever meet anyone ever. And um, so, like, we do email because, it's yeah. like, on the low end, it's free, but even the middle tier, it's ninety-nine bucks a month. Mm -hmm. I think email works. Yeah, but what's email delivery like these days? It's a mix. You're constantly playing with it. You're you're constantly looking at the subject lines and, uh, and the, based on the open rates, changing things up, changing things up. Um, you're really it just seem, trying to. It seems like it's just not even getting delivered anymore. It's getting delivered, but you're playing with a lot more spam traps. And so there's a whole game about um, how to get them to pull you out of the spam trap. And uh -huh. so that, that becomes a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like as much optimization as we talk about in e uh, SEO, there's that much and more in, in email that I barely know a, you know, a yeah. little bit of. Like, yeah. how are we doing this? Okay, well, what if we make these changes? What if we make those changes? Oh, crap, we're going to warm this up now? Mm -hmm. Like there's so much that goes into it. Once upon a time, I had this email address that's just one of the oldest email addresses that, that was out there, right? <clears throat> and, and certainly in security. And the way that news groups used to work, they would publish your email address. So everyone on earth scraped these news mm. groups and it was getting my email address. So I was basically getting every single piece of spam from every single place that spammed on the entire internet. And like my, my email address was sold thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And to the point where the ISP that I hosted with, um, they were, you know, just getting slammed by the amount of inbound email. And this is back when bandwidth was like a real problem, you know, <laughs> like no one really had anything better than a T1. Uh, and they ended up putting multiple spam gateways, like spam companies would send 
hardware to put in the rack to be in front of my email because I was getting so much spam. And it would work great for like like a week or two weeks, zero spam. And then all of a sudden, I just get all of the spam because whoever was working around the filters would just, would just change their algorithm or change whatever they were sending in just slightly and all of a sudden it all get through. And The day they figured out that they should switch from like ASCII to like an image, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, that was amazing. <laughs> like, so much junk came through. And of course, that got yeah. filtered back out. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm impressed by it. Like yeah. as an industry, there's some clever stuff that happens. Yeah, I'm, I don't claim to be an expert in email spam very much, but uh, but I have seen a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the receiving end. On the receiving end, but but even even earlier days, like I dabbled in spam to try to figure it out and understand sure. it, and one of my buddies was doing a bunch of spam, so I knew how his systems worked. But the sophistication necessary to get away with it these days, I mean, it seems like now you have to switch to botnets, um, and botnets have the problem of no one's ever seen this IP address before. Mm -hmm. Why is it sending email? And so you have reputation issues, and you're just kind of yeah, is DKIM set up and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's just a pain, right? But even still, there, there. Uh, my problem there is they're piggybacking on Gmail for in a lot of the cases. Yeah, and so there, it's just a numbers game. We're seeing some really hostile stuff come through, and it's really intriguing to the degree that they're able to identify a particular employee of a manager and then hit them up uh, and say, hey, uh, I'm sorry, I need to change my payroll information. Can you blah, 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 They look real. They'll tell you, look at the email that's obviously <laughs> not the individual. Well, I wonder how often it works. Well, spear phishing is a whole other ball game. That's, that's, because that, I don't even really need to go through the mail gateway. I just need it to appear on your screen somehow. Just get it in. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a bit different different issue. That one I am an expert in. <laughs> that, that's a whole other right. ball of wax. Um, but I also wanted to talk to you about uh, the Google uh, case. Yeah, um, sure. Court case that's going on, the monopoly. It's a complicated one, but yeah. So for the audience, why don't you give us a lowdown? What, what do you think is happening there? Uh, Google's fraudulent. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a complicated case, and this is really just talking about the ad market as a whole. Sure. And so, I mean, I don't know how many times I've read through it, and I certainly do not understand the entirety of it. But like going through, and you're seeing, okay, some some of the some of the code names are hilarious. Like, what is it like a, a POI rot? Poriot. So I, I wonder if like someone was trying to be snarky, like it's like a, a speech impediment. Poirot. Pirate. Poirot. 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 <laughs> and that's basically what it was doing. They were pirating, where uh, they're essentially fixing their margin. And the way, the reason I just called it fraud, and that's kind of the, the, where it should be the end of the story. That's illegal. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly corroborated multiple time fraud uh -huh. is that they were disclosing the, the end price as being different to the buyer and the seller. That's a lie. That's fraud. Um, if it is true. If fine, if it's true. I mean, and, and some, some of the I'm other trying to keep you out of court here. <laughs> I'm just a guy talking on a video. Like they know my views of Google are not great. Like I, I'm negative towards Google. So let that you know paint the brush across uh -huh, the canvas. Uh -huh. Yeah. So uh, the, the the alleged uh, results of just that, uh, just that uh, um, ad server fraud, um, the the attack on header. Headerless bidding, I mean header bidding as a mechanism. Project Bell. Was that the project? Yeah, so Jedi was the Facebook one, and then Bell was the. I might be getting this wrong. I don't know. There's like six <laughs> different projects. And, yeah. But that was also on purpose, I think. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of changed up what they were, you know, even though it kept coming back to ad exchange, ad market. And that, you know, it was really the same thing. So over walk, and over and over. walk the audience through 
who's losing money in that if that fraudulent yes. campaign? Yeah, the uh, so everyone like so. There's there's some very clear losses occurring on the publisher side where they're being locked into lower monetization than they could get if they were to uh, approach independently the same buyers. Mm -hmm. That that's a problem right off the bat. Um, one of the reasons why they're being locked into this was the attack on header bidding and, and pushing on AMP, which was just a mechanism disclosed within the documents with emails. I don't even think I have to say allegedly at that point. They actually had the quotes. It's like the whole purpose of AMP was to kill off header bidding. And it just happened to uh, have a huge uptake because people pushed it as a technical solution. Well, I th I'm not 100% sure if it was Bell or one of the other ones, but there was one that basically said that contractually they weren't allowed to even get into the Google network at all if they were working with anybody else. Yeah, so they, they forced non-competes. Right. So they, uh, that so itself forced is... forced non-competes and jacked up prices. Yeah, and manipulated prices. And yeah. manipulated prices. So the other, the other side of the equation... Allegedly. Uh, okay, <laughs> the, the other side of uh, allegedly, which I think is actually maybe a, a bigger case that could come out here, is because of the potential manipulation, they were also causing advertisers to overpay what they potentially could have. Therefore, how many different government institutions use AdWords? The military uses AdWords to recruit. So was Google defrauding the US military? Like, so like, those are questions where, if that can be shown, that is very, very damaging uh, politically. And regardless of, of, of who's in power the next couple cycles. Right. I am somewhat cynical, and I have this back and forth with Aaron Wall that's been going on for maybe 10 years plus about the DOJ and FTC cases that may eventually come out against Google. And this wasn't the one that we thought was going to be first. What, which one did you think it was going to be? We come thought out? it was going to be a, a forced placement within organic search, or at least that's what I thought it would be. Uh, yeah, uh, favoring their own oh, uh, yes. properties. Yeah. And that's a whole other thing. But. Um, Going back and forth with all this stuff, uh, my, my cynicism is they are the largest lobbyist currently in terms of funneling just raw money into both sides of the political spectrum where you could see where enough people uh, get in potential committee level. Uh, they get high enough in a committee they're able to kill it or delay it and delay it and delay it and delay it. That's my concern. My concern is that while it looks like a, a, a con is going in the right direction on the FTC, and this is a DOJ that took up a, a, a predominantly conservative case uh, out of the state level, will it stick? There seems to be a, a growing faction of conservatives that are now against it. And that's a little concerning to me. Mm. And there's also some on the, on the left that are against it, and I'm not entirely sure why, other than those that had direct financial ties, it was rather obvious that, you know, okay, call them out. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to stick. I'm worried about that. I want it to be seen all the way through, but so this this is not the case that went through in Europe. <clears throat> no, is, that's, is, that was different. Yeah, um, it's, it's a little surprising that they're not copycats of one another. So, and that it is that is a little weird because, like, um, I want to say India had a case, Europe had a case, uh, and that that was uh, like the Android case was one, or it was like a basically forced install sort of situation, mm -hmm. and that's maybe more conceptually easy to understand. Like, if you're pushing someone to use your browser on the phone and you make it difficult for the other browser, you know, is, is that using your monopoly position? And yeah, the Android market is high enough where that could be considered as such. I, I still think there should be a, a fairly large case about uh, um, preferencing YouTube 
about preferencing internal um, uh, properties on Google to displace, like some every time they'd throw in on one of their own little calculators, how many different calculator sites do they, they nuke when they do that? Yeah. Uh, ITA is a purchase when they when they did for the, the hotel and airline booking situation and then started devaluing the, those companies that they're now competitors against. Yeah, so th this is... Uh, this is there's, there's almost too many to discuss and that being makes it difficult to attack. Uh, yeah, right. <clears throat> this is what, um, I think I was talking with Jono about this, like the zero-click um, phenomenon. Yeah. Where Keep you on page. You'll just you'll just end up on the page. You'll find exactly what you need, and then you'll leave. Why would you go to another page? Why would you click into anything? And and this is why people are like, oh, we're we're um, you know ninth on the page. They never even saw your link. It's not like they reviewed the top eight, saw your link, and then went back to one of the top eight. <clears throat> they didn't even see the first link. They were just looking at all Google. It's worse on mobile too. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a really long scroll. And they'll inject a lot of images that don't make sense at all. Like if you look at any sort of like gift card type SERPs, like it's just full of internal shopping stuff on Google. And you're like, you're scrolling for a while before you find anything that's organic. And now they're playing with the shading of the ads even further to make it look more blended with organic. Like, you know, there's an FTC case about that, but mm -hmm. they don't care. They, I think their, their, their standard operating agreement is uh, or process is, We'll just wait for the fine because it'll be cheaper than the money we make in the meantime. Absolutely, I would too if I was in their in their situation. And I wouldn't, which is why I'm in where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> I could only afford shorts. No, I think you would, Joe. I think you would look at that pragmatically. Look, here, I'm going to give you um, conservatively two hundred billion dollars um, to change this font color and change this background a couple shades. I think there, 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 <laughs> I think there is the joke about you know. um, Larry and Sergey um, hiring the brightest minds in the world and having them just play with that and then toasting like, this guy has a PhD in quantum physics. Ha ha ha, we make him change the font color. Yeah, that, they that, paid him to do it. That is what's happening. Yeah. And at $200 billion, that's the right move. Um, that seems to speak uh, to a larger problem, which is why are we letting Google be Google? Like, if Google is this, if if that's what Google has turned into, because remember when Google started, they had no ads. Mm -hmm. That's why everyone liked them. They mm -hmm. were nice and fast. There was nothing on the page. It wasn't like Yahoo, where there's all this stuff going on in sports in the middle of the page. Like, I don't even what what is this? Like, you know, the weather right in the middle of the page. Why, there's all these widgets and it would slow the whole thing down. It take like ten seconds for it to load or something. And then Google came along, and there's just a, they're just a box. That's great. But now they're not just a box. You click in that box, and now you're just getting the same, stuck, yeah. the same old junk that you were getting on Yahoo. Um, they have made it faster. They've certainly sped up the web significantly, but why are we letting them get away with it? I mean, I mean I'm an is argument. This the first, is this the first of many different lawsuits we see against Google? I hope so. But I mean, uh, so what worked against Microsoft was, was the DOJ case. And in the DOJ case didn't result in them splitting up, but it delayed them to such a significant degree that they weren't able to adequately compete with some of the newer entrants like Google when Google came onto the scene. So I think if the DOJ case does persist... Why, why, do you, why was that? Uh, so are, are the, the Internet Explorer Firefox case? Yeah, why did that delay them? Because uh, it, it becomes a lot more difficult to buy companies to squash them. 
when you're in the middle of a giant uh, antitrust lawsuit, mm -hmm. because that's the very uh, nature of what they're being, you know, going after you for. Because they're they're using the monopoly position of their desktop to push the particular browser and the on ramp to the web, and they were, and it was right to have that case, and you know the case eventually resolved. Like, Ten years, it was something a long time. Mm -hmm. So if something similar happens here, there might be a new technology that comes out where Google doesn't have the chance to squash it. That would be where this might be perceived as a, as a win, regardless of whether or not they're being forced to divest. See, I think what's going to end up happening is rank brain is going to be turned away from the search engine results themselves and just to the SERP in general. Hmm. So the entire page is going to be run by an algorithm. So every placement of every single thing is going to be determined by an algorithm. And when you get to do that, the only barometer for success is money. So if you can tune the SERP to say, I don't care how this page looks. I don't. No one cares, actually, um, except for the people who make money off of you clicking on stuff. But we don't care about them. What we care about is us making a bunch of money. So as long as our customer support costs are low enough, which is money, right? That's, that's a cost. Uh, and the amount of revenue we make from our own systems goes up by a proportionally larger proportion or whatever, then you've been successful. And if you train the algorithm to be like that, there is, I don't think there's any, really anything that could stop them at that point. Um, In this theoretical snake brain algorithm, snake brain. <laughs> uh, I think what trips them up is they've already sort of hard-coded values to promote internal. And so if, if yeah, those- I'm saying make those variable. If those variables were honest, maybe. Yeah. But I have a I have a high degree of doubt that they would because they have acted with such dishonesty so frequently. No, no, no. But no, I don't think it would hurt them though, even if they were completely honest. Because your barometer for success again is only about them making money. But if you're a so pathological they, liar, you have a really hard time telling the truth, even when it's in your best interest. That's a different problem. But if the algorithm is in control of the truth, as opposed to a human being in control of the truth, then it's the truth as much as the algorithm is programmed to do that. So as long as you don't put your pinky finger on the scale at all, you end up with an algorithm that puts maps like 20 times in the page because it turns out for whatever reason, everyone clicks in those maps like, oh, this is the right map. Finally, the eighth map is the right map and you never ever leave Google. Rest assured, people like me will still exist. To, no, 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 I'm not saying you go out of business. Completely no, no, I'm not saying that, like to, to try to figure out and make this algorithm question its existence. Uh-huh, I see. Yeah, that could be. That could be. So that that would be the real defense is by meddling with Google's algorithm so, so heavily yeah. that Snake Brain would uh, would fall on its face. That's the hope because if they actually were true about that, that's kind of very similar to what it was in the early days, where mm -hmm. you know it wasn't a sophisticated algorithm, but it was looking at honest web signals and the things that people actually wanted the most were not always giant brands. They were like, what can I do in immediate action? Like affiliate stuff can be done well enough to where yeah. it's the right solution. Google hates affiliates. Like, they flat out will say that. So it's to the point where they basically will push it down. Even a helpful affiliate site should be classified as spam, according to their user rating guidelines. So understanding that, I don't think they'd ever, ever go to the fully honest algorithm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So why do they hate super affiliates and affiliates? What's, what's the real problem? Is it just that you're, it's one extra click and they you want- You could charge more. Uh, uh, selling ad space to brands 
flat out. So it's like, like it's car, purely a money thing. Yeah, it's them. a purely money. It's like a car insurance was a great example. They hated seeing car insurance uh, affiliates in AdWords. And so uh, there was a period of time, let's say I'd get um, uh, 12 bucks a click, and like maybe I'm a really high-end uh, affiliate in that case. And so I could, I could afford to spend uh, 11.90 or something crazy like that. Well, that's great. But the insurers are the such like, you know what, I'm going to lose money for two years, I don't care. And so now they're bidding 40. Well, affiliates can't really match up to that. So if, if affiliates are pushing harder on the organic side, that's taking away those clicks from the right rail. So I think that's where, not the right rail anymore, <laughs> above <laughs> no, and beyond and yeah, in the yeah, middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's where that fundamental philosophy comes into play, where like they're taking away our money. So they're sort of viewing affiliates as competitors hmm. de facto to Google. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how would you say that the average person just using the internet should be thinking about Google these days? Yeah, I mean, is it just a? It's a, it's a tool, but I think a useful tool, and just don't worry uh, about what's going on under the hood. Or it, it kind of goes back to politics. Like you always have to be using your head, but I don't. I think it's too much of an expectation to put on people. Like I'd say, I'm a big fan of looking at multiple news sources. I'm a big fan of using multiple you know search engines to see where things look. Ultimately, if you're getting what you want from it, you know who am I to tell you where to go? Mm-hmm. And how does ChatGPT fall into all this? Okay, so <laughs> can we just get it out of the way? Can we stop calling it AI because it's not AI? Okay, call okay. whatever you want. <laughs> I call it a whole bunch of if statements. <laughs> and it, it becomes evident the more you interact with it. It's like you know, it's it's based, it's just conditions, 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 conditions. Now it has a really weird output. Okay, cool. I broke the condition. I, I broke mm -hmm. I broke the waterfall. Mm -hmm. um, I think a ChatGPT. Uh, I think it more is like autocomplete, like really, really good autocomplete. Okay, well, I mean, autocomplete is very manipulative, so I like that. <laughs> well, I, I think where ChatGPT is actually good is on ideation. So, like, you're struggling with like, how do I start this 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 document, or how how do I come about, you know, phrasing something? We're actually looking to potentially integrate ChatGPT, or actually one of the one of the models from OpenAI. Uh, on the influencer side, so like they accept a pitch and they're not sure how to start. It's like, here's some topics you could talk about as far as the brand is interested based on what they put in their description. And they come up with some ideas. So I think it's really handy for that. I think it's terrible for copy, paste, submit. So if anyone's like doing that, that's just too lazy. And those are the type of people that are going to get churned out anyways in the industry. The people that view it as I'm going to take it and I'm going to edit it will last longer. The people that are looking at like, I just use it for an idea. I think that, that works the best. Currently, yeah, yeah. I've been watching it pretty closely um, and watching how it's being used. How are people going to weaponize it? Oh my god! I mean, I, I mean, you've talked about about twenty things today that it could be yeah, useful for. Yeah, of course. For. <laughs> I, I guess what I don't have a good beat on yet, specifically as it pertains to ChatGPT, is how quick is how quick is the iterative cycle of the feedback getting back into the, uh, the answer loop. Well, so, well, immediately if it's within the chat. Right, but how, how much until it starts going back to other people? If, like, if everyone's like, no, you're uh, wrong, Robert Hansen was born in 1965. Well, so far I don't think it does that at all because it's still based on 19, uh, 2021 data or something, whatever. Uh, but at some point, at they're going to want to introduce yeah, the yeah. user feedback, and that's where I think it gets weaponized. Because mm -hmm. as soon as you have any user feedback, you just need a, a, a multitude of users, real or not. To, to push an agenda. See, that's interesting because one thing the ChatGPT does not give you is sources. Where does it give? Where did it get this data? I, that's a problem. And that's like, a really big. That problem. goes back to like her, what's the political leaning on stuff? It, like, mm -hmm. I don't mind it telling me something, but I would like to understand like 
What was the basis for this decision? It absolutely has political leanings, too, 100%. Of course it does. Absolutely it does. Very, very easily verifiable, as a matter of fact. <clears throat> but it's worse because I don't even know where it got this assumption. So it's like, so I asked it questions about myself, which are verifiable because mm. I'm me. Um, I saw the thing you used to put in. Yeah. <laughs> it said he was the head of rank math. I'm like, oh, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> Well, it was saying that I go by Rob, for instance, which I don't. Uh, very easy for me to identify that problem, right? I understand what you mean, Rob. <laughs> and so as a result, it's, okay, where did you get this data? All right, like, who, who, where's your authoritative source on the fact that I go by Rob, not our snake? You know, that's very useful information. Did they pull from the other Robert Hansons? Um, no, I think it. I think it was correct because I gave it our snake as an input, uh, so it was more targeted. Had I said Robert Hansen and give it no other input, who okay. knows? Okay. I mean, who knows? I did not even try that. But I think that it proves a point, though, which is let's say I'm trying to do some research study or something. I'm like, oh, what, what's? How should I write this? It writes mm. it for you, with no context of whether any of this is coming from legitimate sources yeah. or not. Just the most viral sources or the most most uh, tweeted sources. That doesn't mean actually respected. Absolutely. I would be very, very concerned if I'm doing like a, a Jewish history and it's pulling from a KKK website. Like, yeah. you don't want that. No, I don't want that. Yeah, so um, any plans to use it in your work? I mean, outside of maybe an ideation to just see if they find it useful, that's about the extent, I think, for that. I think for the influencer, uh, that must be something they've taken a look at. Like, they will. Yeah, so let's say I'm you know, selling a razor or something. I hand it to an influencer. They don't know first thing about razors, how to talk about razors. Like, hey, chat GPT, write me an article exactly. about ra how much I love this razor. Talk about coarse versus smooth skin. Yeah, talk yeah. about you know, the moisture level. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, yeah. I think, where that is useful is the icebreaker because mm -hmm. that's an easy thing that's not going to be hard to do. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, it's still on the influencer to do their work. Mm -hmm. uh, we thought about, you know, is there a way for us to integrate something like that to help the brand create their pitches and their campaigns better, but we don't have a good answer to that yet, so we haven't. They have to have a really that. good prompt for that. And we and we don't. So like you know we're gonna we're just not gonna do that. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. There's, there's, there's other things we could do to to help uh, brands, so we'll do those first. Yeah, 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 sure. But I was thinking uh, for the the individuals who don't know what to write, you could possibly say, here's something you could write. Yeah. yeah and give them the... And that's the way you should approach it. It's not saying, saying do this. Yeah, yeah. It's like, here's some ideas. Right. It's kind of speed up their, um, the utilization, I guess, or I don't know exactly how to phrase that. The, some people sit there spinning their wheels and yeah. say, you're just looking to compress the overall amount of time from a pitch received to work being completed. Mm -hmm. Anything that we could do to speed that process, probably better. That's right. Because a lot of people are going to just write, this is a cool thing, check it out which isn't particularly useful. They're, the brain's not going to like that. Right. But you can write two, three paragraphs very easily with that same amount of input or even less and get some great output. Yeah. We just don't want it, we just don't want it to become like the actual blog post. Yeah. So we're going to have guardrails for that. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe that. cut it off halfway and dot, dot, dot. <laughs> enter your own stuff here. It'll, it'll be like, um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll probably limit it based on characters. Mm -hmm. That'll probably be the easiest way. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, this has been very interesting, Joe. Anything else you want to talk about while, we, while I got you? Uh, I don't know. We talked about ORM. We talked about influencer marketing. Yeah, that was a little fun. bit about fitness. What are you doing for fitness these days? Uh, 
a lot actually. Um, so I, apparently I'm dying. So my doctor's like, no, you can't have carbs anymore. So, uh, so I've been on a very low carb diet. Okay. Um, not zero carbs. I'm not going to ketosis, just cutting it. Uh, and then exercise, uh, a lot of X3. Have you ever heard of this? No. It's resistance band training. Oh, um, okay. It's very intense. It's kind of like trying to push a tire around. It's, you know, incredibly difficult. Um, that's sort of my workout workout. And then I, I've been swimming probably between one and two miles-ish on a weekend and trying to run about about a mile throughout the week, um, spread out, cut up into little pieces, which I'm slowly ramping up, and then push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups and all that other stuff kind of coming in, ramping up, because I'm helping a kid get uh, ready to potentially go into the Navy, so I'm kind of helping him. Nice. I'm kind of doing it side-by-side with him. and. Yeah, so man, I, I should have had you bring your workout clothes. We could have gone to True Hit because it's. Uh, I think today incorporates a lot of band, TRX, and stuff. Mm -hmm. You maybe enjoy mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, but the nice part is I fall asleep like instantaneously. That's uh, good. I put my head down and I am. Gone. Which you know, <laughs> if, if, we're, if we're being honest, solves a lot of those health issues. Yeah, 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 and uh, and I've noticed my energy level actually hasn't. Uh, gone down despite all that working out. Mm. I'm sore in places I didn't know I even existed on my body, like opening doors. I'm like, wow, my back is doing incredibly strange things. I just feel the muscles in my back doing things it probably hasn't done since I was 17 or something. Well, but uh, as you age, yeah. But I, I'm definitely stronger and in better shape now than I've ever been in my life. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Don't yeah. die. Don't die. I'm yeah. not going to die. No. I accidentally got into ketosis twice. Uh, which I was not trying to do. And, it's okay uh, to be in ketosis. Yeah, I know. I just definitely did not want to have the bad breath associated with it. Um, not to, everyone does. I have. Oh, I did. Okay. <laughs> I did not want to have to do an interview with you. With you like, oh, Robert, can we? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I've done keto on and off for I don't know how many years. So like, uh -huh. I'd just be like, all right, sure. Yeah. No big deal. No, no, I would. I'd feel bad about it. But anyway, yeah. And you, just all the. I mean, the, the weight training and a lot of that hit weight stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you, I was going to ask you about the band. You said you're doing some resistance. Is that with bands? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So so the the ones for for true hit. Uh, so the workout today, I believe, will do uh, some kettlebell work, a little bit of dumbbell, like so like uh, I think we're going to do some French presses as well as some Arnold presses. Uh, TRX is another mm -hmm. one of those fantastic implements. Uh, mm -hmm. Doing rows on T-Rex feels great, mm -hmm. but the bands, I believe, is gonna be uh, seated rows mm -hmm. and probably banded push-ups was hella hard. Mm -hmm. You throw like a 70-pound band on and you're mm -hmm. trying to do push-ups, you're gonna feel it. Oh yeah, totally. It's like there's there's great studies that are out. I, I consume a lot of uh, research on, on, on nutrition and fitness these days mm -hmm. um, that are showing that you can get similar uh, uh, chest hypertrophy from banded push-ups as you can from bench press. So oh, totally. Like, do what works for you, and, and, so, and maybe even maybe even deeper, maybe even harder. Be because you're, you're you're able to go in a, in a more compromised position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh, heavier at all parts of the motion. Yeah, through yeah. the strength curve, it, yeah. it's more consistent. More consistent, right? Exactly. It's really interesting. Yeah, I've I dabbled in it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a health expert, but I'm certainly more educated than a lot of people. So. You're getting there. Uh, I pick it up as I go. As a my Is doctor yells at me. Oh, <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about it offline about yeah. what, he, what he yelled at you about. Yeah. Well, again, um, happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, <laughs> happy New Year. <laughs> might as well. Merry Kwanzaa. <laughs> really appreciate you doing this, Joe. How do people get in touch with you? Uh, they could find me online, except on Twitter, apparently. <laughs> uh, 
my name is Joe Sinkwitz. If you Google it, you're going to find a million properties on me. Uh -huh. But otherwise, LinkedIn's probably the quickest way. Okay, great. Well, thanks for doing this, Joe. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it.